All right. Welcome back to From Made Arbitration. And over here to my left, I have the All-Star. He's here. Now, this is a Wednesday. It's going to be put up on Sunday, but this man has come out on a Wednesday night, sacrificing time with his family, to lay down probably the most important episode that we've done so far. I'm going to say that that this one out of the 50-some-odd episodes is going to be the most in-depth episode that we've got. And it needs to be. What he's going to talk about will make us either sink or swim as far as <laughs> as far as going forward with uh, this scanner stuff. This is directly related to me, and I talked about this a little bit last week, to what's going on today with these scanners. Everything that JB's fixing to talk about to me, deals with what management's trying to do to implement uh, the new scanners. I think that management is kicking our ass right now as far as uh, implementing things with this scanner. I think we have dropped the ball drastically as far as getting ahead of this thing. Most people say, well, you know, just obey the instruction and then grieve later. I'm not talking about a grievance. I'm talking about educating your people that, hey, look, this is coming online here. These are the things that you need to be aware of. We need to be educating people uh, to get ahead of this thing. And we have done a terrible job of doing that, and uh, and it's pitiful. You know, what, what about the individual? What about the shop steward that's at a small station uh, an hour and a half from the local union hall that can't get to a, a union meeting? Uh, maybe the single mother that's having kids that she she wants to be a steward, but she can't get to the the union hall to have local training. What are we doing for them? Uh, what are we doing for those individuals that can't get to to once a month training, to once a year regional training, uh, to every two years uh, national training? What are we doing for those individuals to get ahead of this thing? Not a damn thing. We're not doing anything. That's the biggest reason I started this podcast was for that very reason. The the individual that's – I had one message me. It was a couple of months ago, but he said, hey, I'm an hour and a half from the next steward. I have no training. We, we've done nothing. You know, I have no guidance. What are we doing for them? Nothing. And so that's what this podcast is all about. So JB is fixing to tell you a lot – of information. I mean a lot of information. He's going to cover uh, DOAS, PET, redline policies, 3996s. This one's going to be extra funky. And so it's going to take a while. I'm not going to talk much, but I, I wanted to, to say that uh, this episode, what I'm going to talk about is going to be, it's going to be rated mature. Okay. JB, do you mind if I if I say things that are rated mature before you talk? No, you're good. Okay, thank you. Uh, when I was in Sunday, that's going to be funny since I said that, but when I was in Sunday school, uh, when I was little, you know, you used to sing the song, Red and Yellow, Black and White, They're Precious in the Sight. Do y'all remember that? Did you ever sing that one, JB, when you was in Sunday school? Or did you ever go to, did you, you went to church? Oh, yeah. Okay, sweet. But, that's how we need to be as shop stewards. Red and yellow, black and white, 
they are precious in his sight. If you want to be successful as a shop steward, you need to love everybody in your station the same. Uh, you need to love every race. You need to love uh, the straights. You need to love if they're gay. You need to love them. You need to love all of them the same and fight for all of them the same. If you want to be successful, if we want to be successful as a union, that's how we have to be. Uh, the biggest thing to me in a union is is to love each other. You love your brothers and sisters. If you love your people, then you're going to fight for them. Uh, that's that's elementary. When I was growing up, I remember my sister was nine years older than me, and and my parents, you know, instilled in us family, family first. That's what they instilled in us. And I remember my brother. I told you he was a hellion, but he would always get me and him in fights because of his mouth. One day we had about four or five kids on bikes right up to my house wanting to whip my brother. <laughs> Well, my sister, who is nine years older than me, she gets an aluminum bat. And she goes out there, and these kids are on these bikes, and she starts waylaying these bikes until they drove off. You know why she did that? It's not because she's crazy. It's because it was instilled in her that family is first. That's how we have to be as a union. That's how we have to protect each other. I always talk about, I laugh about my studio. Uh, when uh, Jay came in and JB, he's here. When uh, Mr. Cariff came down, we always always talk about my studio, how much money I've spent on my studio. <clears throat> Let me tell you the secret of my studio. I've got my condo is the divorcee special. It's one level, one bedroom. I've got a little den, a little dining room, and a kitchen, a bathroom. That's that's my condo it's tiny it's small uh five steps you're in the front door out the back door but my studio is my couch it's my couch i have a coffee table that's got a laptop on it and then i have a microphone that's attached to my coffee table that's my studio so when we talk about how plush it is and all these things that that's what we're talking about it's on a couch so why do you think that Jay came up from Alabama to do his episodes. Why do you think JB continues to come out to do his episodes? It's not to garner fame. It's not to get your name out there. It's because they love their people. And they want to educate their people. That's why. It's dark in here. I've got one lamp to my left on an end table. Now, I can turn my shades up, my blinds up, and get some sun out through there that can come in here and can kind of help you see. But let me tell you about Mr. Cariff when he came down. Here's a gentleman that drove down from Chicago. Now, drove to Nashville, came into this little bitty condo of mine, sat down on a couch, and began talking. Now, it was cloudy that day because it was raining. And so I'm out on the patio with my girlfriend, and it's dark in here. So I look in here, and there's Mr. Cariff. He's got his phone. He's turned his light on on his phone so that he can read the sights that he's reading to you. Now think about that. Here's a man that drove from Chicago, 
To do what? Do you think he came down here just to show me up on 16-7? Let me tell you that story. When he heard my 16-7 episode, we go back and forth. I make fun of it and stuff. But he just told me that he had a different view on it and would like to tell everybody about it. That's what he said. He didn't drive down from Chicago to try to, to show me up. He didn't drive down to Chicago to try to get uh, his name out there. That's not what he drove down here for. You know why he drove down here? To make sure that his brothers and sisters aren't fucked with. That's why. That's why he drove down here. So when we're doing these episodes, it's to educate those that otherwise wouldn't be educated. That have a hard time getting to places. You look at SEAL Team 6 or just SEAL Teams period. You look at their training. Do you think they train once a month? you think they train once a year? Do you think they train once every two years? Well, that's what's out there for our brothers and sisters. We've got to do better than that. We've got to. I see people asking questions on Facebook. That's all they've got. That's the only training they'll get is asking questions on Facebook. That's why I started this. It's for those people who are left behind. It's for those people who have nowhere to go to get educated. Uh, I'm not doing this to gain any kind of notoriety. Hell, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm not trying to get a position anywhere. I've told everybody and anybody, I'm going to be a letter carrier until I retire. I'm hoping to be an advocate during that time. If I'm asked to step down to do that, I'll step down. I'm not trying to get my name out there so that I can get promoted or get some kind of position. I'm not running for shit. I'm going to be a letter carrier. That's not why I started this. We have got to do a better job as a union of training our people, period. I know for a fact there are people that have been told they could not come on here. I know that for a fact. Why is that? Why would, why would the upper echelon not want people educated? What sense does that make, really? What sense does it make? Look, I've been doing this, like I said, since 2006. I've been an informal step A, a formal step A. I've been dealing with safety at the highest level, an advocate. What, what good does it do me to, to whatever knowledge I have? And I don't, I'm not the smartest one. I'm not the most knowledgeable by far. But what good does it do me to have that knowledge and to keep it to myself? What good does it do me? What good does it do you? What good does it do anybody? For me to have that knowledge and just say, okay, I've got it. I'm just going to keep that shit to myself. That's what's happening. That's what's happening around this union. We're just going to get this knowledge. We don't want anybody else to have it. That way, they'll continue to come to us for crumbs. They'll continue to come to us for scraps. That's stupid, man. That's stupid. I give it to my brothers, Jay and JB and Mr. Cariff, who come in here. Why? They don't want notoriety, man. They don't give a shit about if somebody in California knows his name. They're doing it to educate those that would not be educated otherwise. That's why. JB is fixing to lay some shit down on y'all. I know for a fact y'all don't know. 
it's going to be long, and I need to get quit talking, but uh, that's just been heavy on me, man, for all week. But he's fixing to go into a lot of stuff. I average about 600 downloads per episode, and, and that's more than I ever thought I would get. But about 600 downloads per episode is what I, was I, was what I average. This episode here should have 2,000. Y'all are listening to it so much. This should be the most listened to episode that I have because to me, it's the most important one today. Uh, dealing with these scanners, you know, yesterday these memos came out that they're going to start doing route inspections through these scanners. And what have we done to get ahead of that? Not shit. We've not educated the first damn person about anything. And management has kicked our ass to this point. So you know what we're going to do with this podcast? We're going to educate these people. We're going to get them ahead of the curve, ahead of what's going on, and educate them as far as all the this our office time, as far as this red line policy, all these things that I feel like, now I could be paranoid, but I think that they're doing that in preparation for these scanners. I do. And we have dropped the damn ball. And I see people all the time, well, on this red line policy, just grieve it. What about those that don't know to grieve it? What about those that don't know it's a grievance? That's what we're going to do here with this podcast. We're going to show people what's a grievance, how to grieve it, how we've dealt with it in the past. We're going to educate these people. We're going to educate our brothers and sisters. We're not going to leave anybody behind Uh, as far as education is concerned. That's a promise I'm going to make to y'all, to my brothers and sisters. We will not stop educating our people. We have failed miserably from the top on down as far as educating our people. It's imperative that y'all understand what's going on right now with these scanners. It, It just is. So, uh, I've talked way too much, but that's just heavy on me, man. We're, we're going to educate our people. We're going to educate our people one way or the other. Uh, JB's fixing to talk for a long time, so I hate that I had to make him sit there and, and listen to all that. But he's got a lot to talk about. There's a lot he's fixing to go over, so get notepads. This is going to be one of those you can listen to on your route, but when you get home, listen to it again. Get your notepad out. He's going to tell you how to beat some things, how to address some things, what to look for on some things, all right? Uh, To me, it's the most important episode by far. I was messing with him earlier about the union is going to sink or swim based on this episode. (laughs) But uh, it's important. It's going to be very important. So y'all listen up uh, again to Jay for coming up when you did and, uh, and, and, you know, educating our people. To Mike Cariff again. You know, dude, you didn't have to drive all the way down from Chicago, but you wanted to. Uh, listening to you when we talked before and after, uh, you got a heart for your brothers and sisters. Anybody like that's going to be able to be on my episodes or going to be able to be on this podcast. Anybody. He's got a heart for his people. Sat down here in the damn dark with a flashlight on his phone so he could read sites to y'all to educate you. That's what this shit's all about, man. That's what it's all about, to educate our brothers and sisters. So anyway, JB, you ready? (laughs) Sorry about all that. Anyway, here's JB, man. He's fixing to get into some shit. I mean, he's fixing to lay it down. So 
Without further ado, JB, it's all yours, baby. I appreciate you, man. You know that. Wow. Well, what an introduction that was. Uh, Corey's never been an individual I've said that uh, is short anything in the passion bucket. But he has always spoke from the heart. And he really, really does have a heart for the letter carrier, has a heart for representing us letter carriers. He, he doesn't sidestep anything. You know, I can say that with 100% assurance that I've known him for quite some time. And not only has he been, you know, great with helping me uh, with my involvement and my mentoring, but he truly, genuinely is very passionate about what he does. And he says what he means. And I've never, never took that any differently as long as I've known him. Don't really appreciate the extra pressure, uh, the sink or swim. Uh, that's a that's a nice statement. That's that's fun to sit down in the luxurious studio here. But we're going to do our best, you know. And when we talk about educating our brothers and sisters, that's exactly why I'm here. I, I don't consider myself. I've told y'all before, an expert in anything. But I don't mind helping. And if there's something that I've learned, if there's something that I've dealt with that I feel like an individual could benefit from, then I'm willing to try to assist them in any way I can. Because that's how I got to at least the point I'm at. I look behind me and I realize I have learned a lot. I really, really have. And it's been on the backs of a lot of hard work from other individuals helping me. It's been on the back of myself. And it's just been hard work all the way around. But I look behind me and I have learned so much. But then I turn and I look forward and I realize how much more there is to learn. It's never ending, people. It's never a point where you say, I've accomplished it. I've learned it all. I'm good. It's always going to be something. Corey made a lot of emphasis about scanners. You know, these scanners, uh, they're always evolving, they're changing. You know, when we went to the GPS, you know, essentially these scanners are what they are. They are a $39.99, the equivalent of a supervisor being with you in the day-to-day performance of your duties. And we got to be mindful of that as letter carriers. You know, when you leave the office and what's called a geo plane, that, that GPS identifies when your vehicle goes in motion, you break what is called a geo fence, kind of like an electronic dog fence, so to speak that you can't see, but you are now accumulating data. And everything that you do in the course of your day is constantly being monitored. Your scanner is pinging all day long. And at the end of your day, when you come back and you rest and you depart uh, or enter back into the facility and you come back into that geoplane, that's data. And so we got to be mindful while we're performing our street duties But we also got to be mindful of the tools that management has at their disposal. Corey asked me if I would do an episode on on DOIS, uh, PET, 39.96 overtime request, and I kind of laughed. And uh, in preparing for this episode, it took me down memory lane. And you said, well, why would it it take you down memory lane? I told y'all. I became a brand new shop steward in 2016. In October of 2015, I was approached by my former steward, who did a magnificent job, but said that he was stepping down and wanted me to step up and do this. And I looked at him crazy because I had no idea, zero, 
about anything that had to do with being a shop steward, let alone the union. I told you I worked 17 years landscaping and tree service for a private entrepreneur that was <laughs> definitely had a right to hire fire. You know, I didn't know anything about collective bargaining agreements and how to represent letter carriers. But I took it to heart that he looked at me as an individual that he looked up to to fulfill this obligation. I was also met by my peers. I told you I have a senior station. Most of the seniority is way older than me. I'm the kid there. And they encouraged me to step up. And I took that as in they liked the way I carried myself. I took that as a compliment. Now, I don't want anybody to be confused. I don't consider myself a badass. I don't consider myself as somebody that is intimidating. I'm five foot ten, 188 pounds. I'd love to tell you I'm under armor chiseled, but I'm 43 years old. And the only thing I can tell you is I was raised to stick up for myself. And I was raised with respect. And I was raised to be respected. You can chalk it up to something as simple as you're going to get back what you put in with me. And if that's the way you want to go about things, I'm going to treat you with the utmost respect. But when it goes south and we start being disrespectful, I'm not going to tolerate it. I quickly learned when I became a steward the power of the pen. You said, what is the power of the pen? The power of the pen is what's a badass. My pen is a badass. Because when an 8190 hits the table, that's the final say. Not my voice, not my supervisor's voice, not the formal A representative's voice, the DRT members. Until that 8190 has a remedy, till it's been adjudicated, everybody's voice is temporary. It will have the final say. That's the power of the pen. I have never in my career had management question my performance. I was just raised to work. I work hard. I always like to think that I put in a, a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. I don't have integrity issues. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just being honest. I go to work. I stick my mail. I go out there. I deliver it. And I go home. And that's where I want to go. I got a wife, three kids that I'm trying to get home to and enjoy. I don't have performance issues. I never had an issue with management until, guess what? When I put that steward hat on. That's when the problems started coming to me. Because I took an oath to represent my brothers and sisters that looked up to me enough to believe that I would represent them to my fullest. And that's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is to let down one of my brothers or sisters in my station, my installation, or if I'm representing them in an arbitration case, or even as an outside steward. I take it very seriously to give them 100% of my best and to try to leave no stone unturned. So when I put on that steward hat, I immediately began to feel the pushback by management. And I had a manager that was a tyrant. He became even more of a tyrant when I started challenging him through the grievance process. And I remember him telling me, he said, I'm going to make you the best steward that you've ever been. And I said, well, all right. I said, I appreciate that. I need all the help I can get. But it started with Doyce. It started with Pet. 
It started with time projections, how management managed the workroom floor in the morning. And that has compelled me to really dig up my uh, past. I looked getting ready for this episode in my 2016 archives, and I had a box. I didn't realize I had so many. And again, this is not bragging. This is just what I went through. I've been down this road, and I feel like we're trending back down this road. You say, why? Why do you feel that way? I don't know. Like everything in this world makes a comeback, right? I mean, it's like fashion. You know, what was popular back in the 1990s went away, and now you're seeing it again. I I was somewhere the other day, and I saw the biggest bell-bottoms I've ever seen in my life, and I didn't know bell-bottoms had come back. But everything trends. And I feel like projections and management challenge our performance in the office is trending. Also, we're on the backside of a pandemic. Is that what this movement could be about? You know, we're moving further away from COVID, and and I'm happy to see that. But we are going away from it. MOUs are expiring. Mandates are expiring. We're going towards things that are back to normal. And I think all of us are, are happy for that. But management has really put a lot of things to the wayside during this pandemic. But now that we're moving away from it, they're in attack mode. They're trending back towards the way they used to engage letter carriers. And we have to be ready to fight that fight. Okay? So let me give you the backstory here again. In 2016, I became a shop steward. My manager decided that he was going to start ruling the workroom floor as a tyrant. Three things I want to get out of this episode. Previously, I've went through more grievance handling. You know, I do things a little different when I speak. You know, Corey talks a lot about arbitration stories and things like that. He's got great stories, good storyteller. I talk about grievance handling because that's what I do a lot of my time. Building case files, preparing those things to get ready for formal A meetings, potential arbitration-ready case files, but I don't have a lot of information that I want to talk about here. I want to talk about what these programs are. I want to talk about how we should go about 3996 requests. And I want to talk about how we deal with a tyrant and a bully. And that's what I want to really get out of this. And so I know it might be a little lengthy and I apologize, but I'm going to do my very best to make sure that I cover everything that I make you as knowledgeable as possible. And if you're a new steward out there, and you've never heard of projections or DOIS or PET or any of these things, you know, things come back around for a reason. You know, people retire, people move on. We have new employees that have never heard of these things, and so they come back up. It's never went away. It's always been there. It's just how they go about using it. So again, when I became a new steward, this is immediately what started going down in my station And I spent my whole 2016 cutting my teeth on time projections and how they dealt with our 3996 requests and how we combat management and how we let the pen do the work. I'll never forget one of the best things I ever heard from a letter carrier. He was a senior carrier. Matter of fact, I wasn't even a steward yet. And I'll never forget he was not on the overtime desired list. Management was huge on undertime at the time. You know, you remember those? We got undertime today, so we're going to give you two hours on this other route. This guy's name was Sluggo. Sluggo had one speed. He was a thorough carrier, senior carrier, months away from retirement. 
He never batted an eye. Okay. He came back from lunch. I remember the supervisor approaching him right there, slugging. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I had to give you a takeoff today. You know, we're just we're really up against it, and you had this undertime, and, you know, we want to make sure we, you know, give you eight hours worth of work. And I'll never forget what Sluggo said. And it still it still stays with me today. He looked at that supervisor, and he said, Dan, that's okay. He said, my grievance will do all my talking. And I just remember watching him walk off like, damn. <laughs> That was cold. You know, a lot of individuals get upset and they get in that back and forth with management. He didn't have anything to say, but Dan, (laughs) I'll let my grievance do my talking. And that was it. Unfortunately, I was a CCA at the time and Dan said, go get all the mail from him so he can be back in eight. (laughs) And so, but they knew he was about what he said. He told them what he was going to do and they knew it. And they didn't want that grievance on the table. So (laughs) they sent me out there to go get it. So let's jump into it. Let's first kick off of three things. Doys, pet, 3996s, and we're going to branch off into some other subjects along this path, okay? And let's get through it. If you're new or unfamiliar or didn't know or you still got experience and you do know, let's start from the beginning. What is DOIS? What does DOIS stand for? It stands for the Delivery Operations Information System. It's a tool. It's a program that management utilizes on a day-to-day basis. This is how management goes about projecting our times based on the data that is input to this program. Okay, In the morning times, you see management working. They're at the computer attempting to look like they're working. This is what they're doing. They're inputting data into DOIS. Okay? Don't be confused. Stewards, letter carriers, whoever's listening, estimating the workload on a route is yesterday, today, tomorrow, and always will be a letter carrier's responsibility. Management's going to do their daily morning routines, but as a letter carrier, when I report to my route, I'm going to be estimating my workload, and it's my responsibility. DOICE is a program that management uses, okay? It's a tool. It's not a grievance that they have a tool. What could potentially become a matter of a grievance is how they go about using the tool. Just the fact that they have a conversation based off the data from their tool doesn't resort in a grievance. That's how it should start, okay? They should utilize their data, along with the carrier input, and just some damn common sense, and then we could get a daily expectation. But it's when management chooses to rule solely off DOIS, it becomes a problem. Why do you think we have a problem with DOIS? It's how management utilizes the data, and it's a data entry tool. So if you have an incompetent supervisor or manager who's not inputting the data correctly, they're going in return going to get faulty, flawed data that's going to try to be used against us to hold us accountable to a standard. First thing you need to realize is all our routes have been adjusted to fixed office time. From the moment you clock in, you have fixed office time. If you're unfamiliar with fixed office time, 
It's the things that we do in the course of our day. Our vehicle inspection. That has a minimum of fixed office time. Break times in the morning. If you do break times inside the station during office time, that 10 minutes is incorporated into your fixed office time. But each assignment that you have for line items 14 through 21 has fixed office time built into your assignment of either 33 minutes if you do two breaks on the street or 43 minutes if you have a 10-minute break in the office. Okay, those minimums have already been built in. And what's not incorporated in that 43 minutes is what's under line 20, if you want to look it up, section 222 of the M39 handbook, but we have a five-minute personal needs time. So what's a personal needs? Well, when you get ready to leave for the street, maybe you need some gear out of your locker, your rain equipment or your satchel or things of that nature that you keep in your locker locked up. We have personal needs time to gain that. So we have time built into our assignment. Seeing a lot of people reach out. I don't have any social media, so all my information comes from Corey as far as social media. So if you've ever tried to look me up, not that you would, I don't have any social media outlets. But he has told me there's a lot of things going on, and it's going on in my installation about management trying to push us out the door 60 minutes or less. Why is that? Because they're not wanting to recognize that we have fixed office time. We have this time incorporated into our assignment. But management is trying to push us out the door in 60 minutes or less. Look, I'm going to get out the door as soon as I can. Because I want to. But I can't get out until the mail has been cased and pulled down and ready to go. And it takes me what it takes me. But we have fixed office time, so we don't want to forget that. You have either 33 minutes if you take two breaks on the street or 43 minutes if you take a 10-minute break in the office, plus your additional five minutes of personal needs time. That is there for you. So why don't we recognize Doyce? What's the problem with Doyce? Well, you won't find Doyce in any M39 handbook. You won't find it anywhere in the M41 handbook. You won't find it in our national agreement. So what's the problem with DOICE? I told you a second ago, it's a data entry tool. And when you have management putting in faulty data to these fictitious numbers that they arrive to, then they're going to try to hold you and I accountable to those fictitious numbers and try to create what is called a standard for you. How many times have you heard management come around and say, your depart to route is 822? Well, how did you arrive at that number? By the data that they input into Doyce. Well, how do they input that data into Doyce? They use what's called linear measurements. You've seen the supervisor, the manager, walk around with a ruler, yardstick. Most of the time, they should at least be doing that. I've seen them where they don't even do it. It gets the old eye look. How accurate do you think that eye look is? They use linear measurements to measure the mail. That's been distributed to your route. Well, you say, well, what do they do with that? Well, then they take those linear measurements and then they input it in DOIS through conversion factors. Conversion factors takes the linear measurement and converts it to a number. DOIS recognizes for every foot of flat mail that they measure is 115 pieces. Well, how do they know how much mail is in that foot? 
I've got what we call U-lines in my area. I don't know if U-lines are nationwide, but U-line catalogs come out at about three quarters to an inch thick. So if they give me 115 pieces worth of credit for what ends up being about 11 or 12, well, I'm coming out really to the good. But if they measure what I have in my area, is called Bed Bath & Beyond, but these are as paper thin, and if they measure a foot of those, well, I'm looking at six, 700 pieces in that foot of mail. So now if management thinks that if I can case at an 18 and 8 standard, because that's our standard as a letter carrier, eight flats per minute or 18 letters in a minute, but at 115 pieces divided by eight, that's 14 minutes. Well, imagine if I had that 400 pieces. Now I'm looking at upwards towards almost close to an hour. So now I'm almost 46 minutes behind what management is predicting me to get out of the uh, out of the door on my assignment. That's why we can't recognize DOIS as a standard. Also, we have what's called percent to standard. DOIS has every route that's adjusted. That data is inputted from a six-day mail count and adjustment. It's inputted into DOIS. And during the week of inspection, we also receive what's called a percent to standard, meaning how fast you really cased your mail. And if you have a 100%, that means based upon the 18 and 8 standard that you were dead on, that you cased eight flats in one minute. And for however many, how much mail you had that day, you were dead on an 18 and 8 standard. If your standard is higher than 100, let's say 125, you got a touch of the slow bug. <laughs> but nevertheless, that's your standard. That's what you cased at. And if you have a lower percent to standard, let's say a 75, that means you just case faster than the percent to standard or the 18 and 8 standard. What about our associated duties that DOIS doesn't recognize? What about our associated duties like our allied time and things of that nature? the things that we have to do out on the street that DOIS doesn't recognize. You know, when your manager comes around and your supervisor and they're asking you about your daily projections and they're just asking as a conversation piece, you know, and they say, well, I have this, this, and this, ask them for a piece count. They won't be able to give you one. Ask them how many markups and COAs that you have for the day that you're having to deal with. They won't have that because every day's not the same. Okay, so that's the problem with DOIS is they try to create a standard that you're going to be held accountable to, but we have to be mindful that it's our job. Again, remember I said it's our responsibility to estimate and measure our workload, and that's something that you have to get used to from the day one of being a full-time regular letter carrier, understanding how to look and evaluate your daily duties and um, with the mail that's been distributed to your case. So that's the problem with DOIS, linear measurements from an individual that's walking around either with a ruler or a spot check that goes back, inputs his data into DOIS, and then it converts it to a number, and then it gives them a fictitious number if not done correctly, and then if they start trying to hold us accountable as our sole determinant for the approval or disapproval of our overtime. But we'll talk about a little bit more of that with the 3996s, but just wanted to lay out what is DOIS. They're trying to create an office standard. Okay, the only accepted way to determine an office standard is with an actual piece count. That is the only way. You know, if management's coming around to you and saying, you didn't make your depart to route time, or you're not making standard, 
Well, if unless I've been counted today or management has a peace count, they've conducted a one-day count on me, I don't have a standard for today. That's the only standard I'll be held accountable to or the only way I'll be measured is if they do an actual peace count. Management can come tell me that your departure route is 815. If you didn't make it, they come back at 820. Well, you failed to meet your departure route. I didn't fail to meet anything. I don't have a standard according to Doyce. Now, there's a provision I want to read to you, and it's a very important provision, and it's out of Management's Own Handbook. It's in the M39 Handbook, Management's Own Handbook, Section 242.232. And this is what it states, and this is great language. And if you're dealing with an individual that's a tyrant or a dictator in your station, and they're trying to write individuals up, and they're calling them in for investigative interviews, and they're saying they're not making standards, this section right here is going to be beneficial to you. It's also language that's been incorporated into Step 4 M-Document Settlements. And this right here will be very crucial for you to understand. It states that no carrier shall be disciplined for failure to meet standards, except in cases of unsatisfactory effort, which must be based on documented, unacceptable conduct that led to the carrier's failure to meet office standards. Well, what did I just say a second ago? Doyce is not my standard. My standard is an actual peace count. That's the way management has to go about checking if I am or am not making my office efficiency, if I'm not making standard. There's an important M document, too. Like I said, a lot of this right here is just going to be information. It's not going to be a lot of grievance handling. We're going to talk about grievances in a minute, but not really so much building grievances. But I want you to have the knowledge and be able to listen and go and obtain this stuff. But this is important information for you to build case files. These are things you're going to want to put in your file when you're combating this. If you have an individual that's been uh, questioned over their performance by not making standard through an investigative interview or it even been issued discipline, these M documents right here will be very, very beneficial to you. This first M document I have is M00385. And this is the important section right here that I want to read. It is acknowledged that the proper stipulated manner for determining the efficiency of an employee and whether or not the employee is, in fact, meeting standards is to conduct a one-day count as provided in Handbook M39 and M41. Under the circumstances presented in this case, it is not shown that such a formal approach was necessary or that management was seriously questioning the efficiency of the grievance. They've said right here what's the stipulated manner and checking to see if I am determining whether I'm deficient or not. Without a one-day count, there is not a standard for my day. They can tell me I didn't make standard, but this M document tells me right here, you did not conduct a one-day count. You did not provide any evidence that I had unsatisfactory effort in performing my duties. They don't have a piece count. They said, well, we only had you down for three foot of mail. That linear measurement is why we do not recognize DOICE as the determining factor for our office time. Our office time is based off 18 and 8K standard and an actual piece count. Another very important M document, Step 4 Settlement M-01444. And when we're talking about these M documents, if you're brand new or I've stated before, you know, I always encourage you 
to gain knowledge. Look these things up yourself. Read these documents. Jeremy McCall has killed the website. I, I am blown away at the things that he has gotten to do with this website. It, it is a quick search engine for myself. I love going to that website, being able to pull the things that Corey's talked about and being right there readily available. But he has done a fantastic job. Matter of fact, last week's guest, Mike, put a challenge out straight to me. And uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to do that because I've already selected my project and uh, working on it currently. But I tell you, Jeremy, Jeremy is the man for that task. And I believe 100% that Jeremy is perfectly capable of being able to get people remotely to be able to come on here and be a guest uh, speaker for an episode or joint speaker, however it could be. But um, he has killed the website. It, it is really, really good. I'm thoroughly impressed. So Jeremy will have these M documents posted on the website. But if you're a new steward, you need to be familiar with your MRS. Okay, we've already said DOIS is not in the national agreement. So where are we going to find things that are about DOIS or time projections or estimation tools, performance issues? Where are we going to find M documents that could help us with this? Other than me just reading them to you. Your MRS. Most of the time I say go to the index. This time start at the uh, table of contents. And you'll see time projections. And it's going to give you some great knowledge, some very helpful M documents that you're going to be able to use to combat management on how they're utilizing DOIS or any time estimation tool in your station. Okay, Get familiar with the MRS, learn those time projection M documents, and be ready to combat management. But this is a, a very good one right here. All of them are great. But this is a very uh, good one that you're going to want, M-01444. And it says, daily peace counts recorded in accordance with the above reference systems, post or DOIS, will not constitute the sole basis for discipline. So what does that tell me? That tells, tells me if management is relying upon their linear measurements and DOIS to issue me discipline, that I failed to make a standard, this is a, a step forward that I'm going to use to combat management's position. That we have an agreement that peace counts will not be the sole basis from DOIS or POST as an issuance of my disciplinary action. It goes on to state and incorporates that language I read from the M39, but it goes on to state, however, daily counts recorded in accordance with these procedures may be used by the parties in conjunction with other management records and procedures to support or refute any performance-related discipline. Meaning if they're going to say I have performance-related discipline, they're going to have to have some performance evaluations. That's what Step 4385 was talking about. The stipulated manners to have one-day counts. Those will be able to tell whether I am or are not making standard. Not DOIS. Goes on that this does not change the principle that pursuant to Section 242.332 of the M39, no carrier shall be disciplined for failure to meet standards except in cases of unsatisfactory effort, which must be based on documented unacceptable conduct that led to the carrier's failure to meet office standards. Furthermore, the pre-arbitration settlement, H1N-1N-D, 31781, dated October 22, 1985, provides very important 
uh, quotation right here. There is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no street standard for walking. Street time is street time. Now, every route is evaluated through a one-day, I mean, through a six-day mail count and inspection. And it's associated with a base street time, an average. No two days are alike. That's why we don't have a standard on the street. But management will attempt to convince you that you have, if you can get to the mailbox. I, mean, I don't know if anybody's shaking their head yes right now. But how many times have you heard management say, if you can just get to the mailbox by 9 o'clock, you'll be 1, 2, 3. They always think our street time never fluctuates. That's asinine. They only think the office time fluctuates. The street time fluctuates based off how much volume you've been distributed in the morning. It all goes hand in hand, but management wants you to believe that there is a standard, a demonstrated performance on the street. They believe that Doyce's base street time is the standard. This step four says it is not. There is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no street standard for walking. Meaning people, as long as we're out there doing our job, we take our 30-minute lunch break, our 10-minute street break, and we're out there performing our duties. We're doing exactly what we're required to do. And I'm not going to allow management to utilize some tool to tell me what I should or should not be able to achieve. I know as the professional letter carrier, as the individual that estimates my daily workload a part of my uh, in accordance with my requirements on how to judge and gauge my day. In the MRS, you're also going to see the most important document that addresses DOICE, M-1664, the Delivery Operations Information System, DOICE, is a management tool for estimating a carrier's daily workload. The use of DOICE does not change the letter carrier's reporting requirements. Outlined in Section 131.4 of the M41 Handbook, the supervisor scheduling responsibilities outlined in section 122 of handbook M39 or the letter carriers and supervisors responsibilities contained in section 28 of handbook M41. DOI's projections are not the sole determinant of a carrier's leaving or return time or daily workload. As such, the projections cannot be used as the sole basis for corrective action. When we talk about 3996s in a minute and we're talking about how management goes at arriving their disposition of your request, we'll talk about the importance of having dialogue with management when it comes to getting your 3996 request approved or disapproved. But that step four document right there tells us what is critical, that it is not the sole determinant in the approval or disapproval of my overtime. You know why? Because it uses linear measurements and not actual piece counts. It's a tool. It's a conversation piece. Do not let management fool you into believing it is a standard that you are to be held accountable to and to use it to beat down your carriers. If you're a new shop steward, you need to be ready for a fight. You need to be ready to fight with management the power of the pen, because you got a task on your hands. And we're trending back towards where they're trying to get back to addressing performance, getting us to standards that we're not obtain, or used to obtaining. But you got to be ready to fight management and utilize the tools that are there at your disposal. 
and you're going to have to convince other individuals to get involved. I know that's always tough. I understand. I come from a station, uh, 23 letter carriers, but I'll say this. I got about five dogs, I call them, in my station that we look out for one another. You know, they, they had my back as a steward because they saw me on the forefront fighting for them. I was brand new, but I was not going to let them down. And this manager was trying to treat my brothers and sisters in such a way to get at me because I didn't have a performance issue. But if he could try to rule as a dictator with them and them lose their faith in me and I wasn't going to let them down, I I know Corey's talked about in the past war movies and the the Patriot and the flag, and I laugh because I've never told him this. And uh, but I love war movies too. Uh, I just I, I don't know. I've always I loved history uh, growing up, and I, I've always been you know uh, always wanted to watch war movies and and things of that nature. But one of the greatest movies I always loved, and I, I think about in this situation, and I think about y'all as a steward, and again. This is not me uh, patting myself on the back. Uh, I firmly believe you're as good as your last grievance. And so um, with that being said, but I, I love the movie We Are Soldiers with Mel Gibson. And, you know, they're preparing for the fight and he's talking to his men. And I just remember him telling his men that he will be the first one to set a boot down out of the helicopter on the battlefield. And then when that fight's over, he'll be the last one after all the men are accounted for after everybody's left the battlefield, he'll be the last one to take his boot off the battlefield. And that's how I feel. I will be on the forefront of the fight. You need to be on the forefront of the fight. And let your brothers and sisters seeing you fight for them, the way management's going about their approval of these 3996 requests, how they're treating letter carriers, how they're trying to intimidate, harass, belittle them, get them to be stressful, anxiety levels increasing because they're hitting them with those fictitious numbers that is making them not be able to reach an obtainable goal. And that's it. We have to be ready. But that's the breakdown of DOIS. It uses linear measurements. These conversion factors then take those linear measurements and, and turn those into numbers. And those numbers generate a time. A depart to route time or depart from the station time, you know, an expected return time. And it's supposed to be a conversation piece along with the carrier's input and some common sense. And we have an understanding of what we're trying to achieve that day. But when management tries to hold your feet to the fire or one of your brothers and sisters' feet to the fire based off this Doyce report, we got to be ready to combat that. Second, we're going to get into PET. If you're new, you may say, what, what is PET? I, I personally took a little bit of offense to the name when I first heard it. I remember when it first came on the scene uh, shortly, uh, late 2016, early 2017-ish uh, in my installation. And my station manager was the perfect protocol manager to give it to. You couldn't have found a better person to have given the PET tool. It, it, he couldn't even wait to say, according to PET, it was on the tip of his tongue. I think he just liked the way it rolled out there. Pet says, or you're a pet. Uh, I just took offense to it because that's what it makes it. That's what it sounds like to me is, you know, we're pets and I'm not anybody's pet. But pet stands for the performance engagement tool, the performance enhancement tool, whatever uh, spin they put on it in your area. But it 
it has now taken what Doyce used, you know, Doyce uploads into the pet tool and it is trimmed even more time. It, it is really a, it is the equivalent of stealing is what the performance engagement tool does. You know, pet, um, it couldn't be any more of a flawed system. But again, you know, I fast forward to the end of sixteen seventeen, but we had been going through some battles. We'll talk to them in a, uh, about it in a second on these thirty nine ninety sixes, and I can't wait to tell you a couple stories. I hope you'll like them. But, anyways, you know, the performance engagement tool—it's uh, the most recent computerized data generating program. Uh, it's in a long list of programs. You know, management has tried to generate all kinds of different office efficiency tool, demonstrated performance tool, DOIS, PET. Uh, post, you know, all these things are all efficiency tools to try to estimate our times. But this particular one was designed by the Postal Service, and it's used by managers and supervisors to project the daily workload of our letter carriers, okay? And the way PET works is it attempts to compare a letter carrier's past street time performance and their mail volume with the current daily situation, and then uses that information to determine how long the program now thinks it should take a letter carrier to perform his or her duties on that day. So what it's saying is, if today is Wednesday, the pet tool will have what you did the previous two or three Wednesdays, maybe the previous days. It's trying to compare you to establish what they want to consider a demonstrated performance to create a street expectancy. Now, why is it flawed? It's flawed from the moment you clock in because the performance engagement tool, the PET tool, it only considers how long to case and pull down today's volume of letters and flats based on the 18 and 8 and 70 standard. Now, we talked about 18 and 8. You say, what is the 70 standard? That means when you're pulling your mail down that you can pull down 70 pieces of mail per minute. That's all the pet tool is going to give you credit for. That's it. When you look on the pet tool, it has how long to case and pull down. Some of them will incorporate a break. When I first started uh, addressing the pet tool, most of the ones that I had uh, collected didn't even have our break time on there. But then they started incorporating case, pull down, plus break. That was it. So what do you do when you clock in? You get your vehicle keys and you go do your vehicle inspection. It's not in pet. So while you're out there checking your vehicle, making sure everything's in working condition, looking it over... You come back inside, you're behind already because PET had you from the moment you clocking in case and mail. Based off their linear measurements that was uploaded into PET on an 18 and 8 standard on how long to case and pull down that mail. It does not allow for vehicle inspections. It does not allow for stand-up talks, retrieving your mail, withdrawing of the mail, any COAs, markups, accountables that you got to collect. Most of the time, like I said, there was some didn't even incorporate office breaks. We have to take care of our whole mail. We're entering vacation time. We know a lot of people go on vacation, put their mail on hold. 
doesn't give any consideration to any daily duties that you have to do other than casing and pull down. It is a deadly tool in the wrong hands, especially if it's in the hands of a tyrant or a dictator or somebody that wants to bully letter carriers, that wants to rule with an iron fist on the workroom floor, and we cannot allow it. We cannot let our brothers and sisters down. But you got to understand, Pet is now a flawed version of Doyce, which was already flawed. At the end of every pet tool, most of them that I have seen have an instructed leave time and an instructed return time. I, I love that. So you're instructing me to leave by a certain time, like I, like I want to be here longer. And you're instructing me to be back by a certain time. But we have to be prepared to battle these. Now you say, how does it affect our street time? The performance engagement tool, the pet tool, it uses what's called a street expectancy and that derives from the last route inspection or the latest 39.99 the uh, when you have a, a six-day mail count inspection you know that base street time that's put into doyce that is what is in the pet tool and it never changes every day monday tuesday wednesday thir- doesn't matter Whatever day of the week it is, you look under street expectancy, that's what management is telling you is your street time. Or the last $39.99. You say, what is a $39.99? That's when management rides with you for the day, conducting a one-day, well, they may not have counted your mail, but they do a $39.99. They ride with you while you perform your daily duties, and that time is then put in to the pet tool for your street expectancy time. They're wanting to say that all delivery days are identical. Now, what individual that obviously hasn't delivered mail, right? Obviously hadn't delivered a damn thing in their life to think that every day is the same. It's impossible. There's some days I might only have seven hours worth of work. There's some days I may have ten. It always depends on the mail volume and what is distributed to my route but i do not have a street standard and we already know that because we already read in a previous step four agreement there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no standard for street time and we'll get to another important step four as we get through this episode what else does the pet tool rob a letter carrier of and i I say rob because it really is It, it is damn pathetic that an individual created a tool to be used for a manager or supervisor to come around and to tell me that I'm being held accountable to this tool. And that's exactly what my manager did. I told you, he, it was a perfect individual to get it. Pet said this and Pet said that. Power the pen, people. But it doesn't give you any consideration for the growing parcel or package volume that we've in, uh, endured. And if you'll remember, I said I was dealing with this back in 2016 and 17 when we had took on a massive amount of Amazon. But we had not went un, uh, under a mail count inspection in years. My base parcels for my station were down in the 20s. You know, half a gurney of packages, maybe three quarters. You know, it, it was never over a gurney. And then we took on Amazon, and we didn't have Amazon delivery drivers at that time way out on the outside of Nashville. So we were went from a half a hamper to a hamper to we come into two and a half, three gurneys, bunch of packages piled up on the floor, and this jack leg still walking around telling me my street expectancy was the from the last mail count and inspection. That's just stupidity at its finest. That's management wanting to bully you and make you think in an unobtainable goal. 
and to scare you, to skip your lunch, to skip your breaks, to work off the clock, the shit I'm not going to do. But that's what this individual was doing. It doesn't take into consideration either light or heavy DPS. Weather, construction, I said your packages, traffic, etc. It does not take into consideration anything than your case, your pull down, and that's it. That's all. No fixed office time, none of these other mitigating factors. And then what's pathetic is when that case and pull down, pull down time ends, your street expectancy kicks in, right? And it's a complete misrepresentation of both office and street time. And it will project a return time for a letter carrier earlier than what he or she may be able to achieve. Does that make sense? So it's already robbed us in the office and then our street expectancy time is not maybe possibly giving us enough time that we will need to do uh, perform our duties. And that's what we're being judged off of and the approval or disapproval of our overtime. It's just an inaccurate system. And it doesn't give any accurate portrayal of my daily duties or my daily workload. And management wants to utilize this tool for the sole approval or disapproval. And that's where management crosses the line. Again, it's not a grievance that management has a tool. It's a grievance on how management uses that tool. And if they're going to use it to my detriment to issue me discipline, there's things out there that we can use to combat that. We read earlier the M document, M-01444, but the most critical M document that we have. The, the best one that we have to put in front of management in our case file when they're either issuing discipline against us or they're using it as the sole determinant for our, our approval or disapproval of our uh, overtime is M-01769. Again, go to MERS, MRS. Corey calls it MERS. I don't, <laughs> never called it MERS before. Now he's got me saying it. <laughs> I've always just said MRS. But uh, yeah, go to the MERS. But um, time projections, and you will see M-01769. Again, 01769. And this is what it states, and it's a little lengthy, but I want to read it all. The subject office efficiency tool is a management tool for estimating a carrier's daily workload. The office efficiency tool used in the greater Indiana district or any similar time projection system tool. They underline it. It's important. Any similar time projection system tools will not be used as a sole determinant for establishing office or street time projections. Accordingly, the resulting projections will not constitute the sole basis for corrective action. This agreement does not change the principle that pursuant to section 242.332 of handbook M39, read that in a couple areas already, but no carrier shall be disciplined for failure to meet standards except in cases of unsatisfactory effort, which must be based on documented unacceptable conduct that led to the carrier's failure to meet office standards. Furthermore, as stated in the agreement for case H1N-1N-D31781, there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no street standard for walking. That's beautiful language. I mean, that's, that, that's what we need to combat time projections, whether we're combating management utilizing DOICE only, utilizing PET, DPT, office efficiency tool, whatever it may be out there. 
that management comes up with next. They just changed the name of it. Now, pet, it didn't just trim the fat off the steak. It cut into the meat. Okay? When the moment you clock in, unless you clock in and just grab a flat and start slinging it in the case, you're behind. And I don't recommend anybody doing that. That's what management wants you to do. We still have to perform our daily duties, and we still have fixed office time incorporated into our assignments. Okay? Very important. Goes on to state, projections are not the sole determinant of a carrier's leaving or return time. That's pivotal right there. Projections are not the sole determinant of a carrier's leaving or return time. Meaning, DOI's pet, any of these office efficiency tools, doesn't set a standard or determine, is not the sole determinant when I will leave or when I will return. Okay? Management wants to come around and when they start instructing you to do things... They're using it as the sole determinant. We're not going to let management get away with this by not filing a grievance and utilizing the power of the pen. Let your grievance do the talking. The use of any management-created system tool or tool that calculates a workload projection does not change the letter carrier's reporting requirements outlined in Section 131.4 of Handbook M41. The supervisor's scheduling responsibility is outlined in Section 122 of Handbook M39, or the letter carrier's and supervisor's responsibilities contained in Section 28 of Handbook M41. In every grievance you file on management, this step four is going to be in there. It's got to be. It's what we're using to say they can't do how they're doing it. Now, we'll get into the, a little bit of the grievances and stuff too, but listen you got to convince your people to be involved. we got to look out for one another. When you start talking about interaction between management and carriers, okay, you know you're going to have two statements, right? You know if a grievance is filed, there's going to be two statements. There's going to be the grievant. There's going to be managements. And all my experience in five years tells me one thing. When the statements hit the table, guess what? <laughs> they completely contradict one another. Statements are powerful, especially when you have cooperating statements on how management derived at their decision on approving or disapproving your overtime. I told you I had a few dogs in my station, and they knew when I went to address management about how they approved or disapproved an individual's 3996, they had the most unique ability <laughs> to be lingering around in that location of that conversation. It just, whether it was an arrow key or just looking for a leave slip or a 96, it just, they never, they always knew. I told them, I'm going to the desk. And they uh, gotcha. And they were always there. You need to be strong here. You won't get everybody. You just have those individuals that are that are going to tuck tail and they're going to put their head down. But you have to be ready to get in there and fight for your brothers and sisters and convince them that only we can change this. I've never understood. I've never understood to this day. I told you I had 23 carriers. I'll never understand 23 people being scared to death of one person. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not trying to manage my station. I'm not trying to run my station. But I damn sure going to make sure it's ran correctly. You're not going to treat my people in any kind of way. I am the nicest individual 
when a new supervisor or manager comes to my station, I welcome them to my station. I introduce myself. I tell each and every one of them the same story, that I love every one of them, and I treat them like family, and I will go to the edge of the earth for them. And this place can be the greatest place you've ever worked, or it can be completely miserable. But it will all depend on you. They're senior carriers. They know what they're doing. They're going to come in here. They're going to case their mail. They're going to hit the street, and they're going to come back. And I promise you that's what they're going to do, and that's what they've been doing for my whole career prior to me coming here. But I'm not going to let an individual come in and be a tyrant and a bully to individuals. My manager that I had before, that's exactly what he did. And I could not let my people down. I didn't want to be the one that let them down. So we have to do our uh, due diligence and educate ourselves. I'm telling you, when I went down this memory lane, I was really scratching my head like, wow, it brought up a lot of memories. You know, I haven't had to deal with this in a long time. But I feel like we're on the doorstep of dealing with it again, and you may be dealing with it now. We have to understand our responsibilities. I said it in the beginning. It is our responsibilities, always has been, in estimating our daily workload. That's our job. I don't care what management does and measures. I could care less what they come up with. But I know how to estimate my daily workload. We talked earlier about stipulated manners for how they should be uh, determining the efficiency of a letter carrier. And so we've talked about DOIS, we've talked about PET, but I did want to address, you know, when management does say, well, let's, you know, conduct a one-day mail count, you know, see if you are or are not making standard, there's some step four agreements, some end documents that go into detail about what management can use these one-day counts for and that it doesn't necessarily resort in disciplinary measures if we don't make a standard in a one-day count. Okay, so I want to go over those real quick before we get into the 3996s. Like I said, I just want you to have information. I want you to be able to look up these M documents. I know Jeremy's putting them all on the website, and so be able to go there, download them, save them, read them, read them again, know them front to back. You'll need them. But this one stated, and it's M-00829, and this talks about a one-day mail count. It says, after further review of this matter, we mutually agree that no national interpretive issue was fairly presented in the particulars evidence in this case. Under Article 16, no employee may be disciplined except for just cause. In this instant, the parties agree that a one-day count and inspection may not be used as the sole basis to establish a standard against which a carrier's performance may be measured for disciplinary purposes. Read that again. In this instance, the parties agree that a one-day count and inspection may not be used as the sole basis to establish a standard against which a carrier's performance may be measured for disciplinary purposes. A one-day mail count is just that. It's a one-day mail count. It's what I did on that day. I always tell people, go out there and validate the damn good job that we do. I don't care. Count my mail. Ride with me. I'm going to show you what I do. I'm going to show you how good I do it. But it's not going to be used to my detriment, is what this says. It's not going to be used to create a standard for disciplinary purposes. So if they think they're going to ride with me and count my mail one day, and then all of a sudden, every day from here on out, this is your standard. Bullshit. Not going to happen. 
And this tells us it's not going to happen. This is a signed agreement, step four settlement. There's two other ones that I'd like to read that I think are beneficial for you. And this one is M-0005. This thing's old, 1977. But it states in this one that the grievance mail was not counted to determine their efficiency in this instance. Data from the counts were not, nor will they be, used as a basis for disciplinary action. Consequently, the grievance case considered to be closed. So this has been uh, pretty much established for a long time. 19, that's before I was born. Sorry, Corey. But I wasn't born yet. But we've already established, and they reiterated most of that language in the 829. That was 1986. But they put a note, and you'll read it when you see this step four. I'm telling you, you better read them. But they put a note. And it just it, it kind of made me laugh when I read it again. But it said management counted the carrier's mail in the case after he requested assistance. Can you imagine turning in a thirty nine ninety six, and all of a sudden you turn around and management runs over to your case and starts counting mail? <laughs> I've never seen that happen. But I mean, I, I would like to see it. But anyways, I, I just laugh when they said, you know, well, what a note that management counted the carrier's mail in the case after he requested assistance. This decision reaffirms the union's position that such counts may not be used to determine efficiency for discipline. So he put in a 3996. They ran over there, started counting his mail, and then considered disciplinary action. Uh, lastly, uh, M document. Good Lord, we've already been on here an hour and 25. Well, Corey accounted for 30 minutes of that. So the, the passion bucket was runneth over today, was it not? But... <laughs> I love my buddy, but uh, yeah, he got me for a minute on this one. So anyways, sorry about that. M document 00111. And this one states, the M39 handbook provides for a one-day count of mail when necessary. Under the circumstances, oh, I'm going to stop right there. How long does management need to tell you in advance they're going to count your mail? One day. A day's notice. Okay? If you need to file a grievance if you walk in and management says, hey, we're counting you today because you didn't get proper notice. I just wanted to throw that in there. But anyways, and I'll get into the passionate part here in just a second about how many grievances we're going to file when we're going down the wrong path. But anyways, threw that in there. It just hit me. Sorry. Uh, squirrel. The M39 handbook provides for a one-day count of mail when necessary. Under the circumstances, we find no violation of the national grievance and the grievance is denied. But, however, a one-day count of mail should be utilized for the purposes intended by the M39 handbook and local officials are to ensure that a one-day count are not used for the purpose of harassment. How many deaf ears you think that falls on? How many people, how many times you think laborers inform supervisors of that? That's exactly why management conducts a one-day count, is to harass the shit out of you. They, this is what you did on this day, probably the lightest day they ever had. Is it always funny that we have one-day counts and inspections, uh, usually during the middle of the week on a light day? You know, because they want to convince you, again, people, they want to convince you that this is what you're always uh, being uh, able to obtain, Never mind the Monday, never mind uh, Saturdays, never mind those days. You know, I don't know about y'all, but we, we go back and forth. You know, Monday used to be the heavy day. 
Then it was Saturday's the heavy day, then back to Monday. I'm always convinced Saturday they think you're going to give additional effort because you want to get home, and, hell, I know we all do. So usually they try to put a little extra workload out there, but that's what they want to utilize a one-day count for. So, I, I, guys, I hope this is, it, it, you know, when Corey told me about this, I knew it was going to be a lot. I knew we were going to talk a lot. I, I hope I explained Doyce and Pet. um decently i hope you got better knowledge and understanding of doyce and pet it's a management tool it cannot be used for the sole determinant of the approval or disapproval of my overtime it can't be used for the sole basis for disciplinary action uh, again it's we're going to address it and so for this last part uh about 3996s and the steps of overtime notification um, this was really kind of the journey I went down. Everything that I'm going to read you, um, grievance-wise, was just a fraction of what I was filing and dealing with at the current time with my manager. I told you. He said he was going to make me the best steward that uh, that was ever existed. Uh, he didn't accomplish it. I'm not the best. Um, but I, I got good. I got good quick. And <laughs> he, he made me pretty good. And uh, Corey, Corey wanted me to tell you the story. And uh, let me hit you with it real quick because this is funny. It made me laugh. But I was listening to Corey's episode about protective status. And I remember what I told y'all I met Corey just a, a month into being a brand new steward. And I I was already dealing with these problems. I was trying to go to my, my union meeting. Uh, we have a stewards meeting once a month, and that was the only resource that I had at the time to to be able to gain knowledge. the The previous steward passed along a little bit, but um, you know I was going down my journey, and so I ran into Corey, and I remember him talking to me, and I told him I was dealing with a tyrant. And he said, "Hey," and he gave me his number, told me to call him, and I said, "Are you sure?" He said, "Absolutely," and I said, "Okay," I said, "Cause I'm going to call you." And so uh, I remember getting involved and talking to him. And in the beginning, I told him I had several grievances I needed to meet on. And he said, well, you remember when you meet with management, you're on 613 time. You're representing the union. And, you know, you're equal. I said, okay. I said, I understand. And my manager always wanted to be the one to meet on grievances. Just completely removed the supervisor. And, you know, at the time, I wasn't even, you know, aware uh, that I, the immediate supervisor is who I was supposed to be meeting with. But he informed me of that stuff, too. But um, anyway, so I, I meet with manager. I'm in the office. And, you know, we didn't we didn't come to any resolution on any grievances. And so I signed, we signed the 8190s. We got everything together. And the fax machine was sitting right there in the office. I was going to fax them to the branch office so they could be appealed. And he steps out of the office. He comes back five minutes later, and he says, uh, I need you to get out of my office. Well, you know, I was already very unsure at the moment of what I was doing. But I was very sure that I wasn't getting up until those pa- papers finished scanning and faxing to the branch office. And I was still writing a little bit of synopsis about my meeting. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, JB, I'm serious. Get out of my office. And I said, well, I will as soon as this is done, sir. And, you know, very polite, very professional. And he said, uh, I'm telling you right now to get the hell out of my office. Well, at this point in time, you've gotten disrespectful now. And I told you, I I treat people respectfully. But at this point in time, you now have pushed my buttons. And this whole protective status (laughs) uh, allegement that uh, Corey had informed me of, I I told him, I said, well... It's my office. He said, excuse me? 
And I said, well, I'm using it right now, so it's mine. He said, the hell it is. He said, I'm telling you, get the hell up out of my office and, and, and leave. And I said, I'm not leaving. I said, this will be like both of ours then. And he said, JB, I'm telling you right now, get up out of my chair and get out of my office. I said, I need you to step outside my office. And I said, I'll leave as soon as I'm done conducting union business on union time. And he says, I'll unplug that copy machine. I said, you could slam it in the floor for all I care. And I said, but I'm not leaving until it's done faxing and I'm through concluding my meeting. And he said, I'm writing a statement right now. And he took out a piece of paper and he was standing there hovering over this piece of paper. And I'll never forget that pen. It probably sat about a a quarter of an inch from a piece of paper. And it just trembled. I don't know if he was so mad or so scared what he was. I didn't care. But he never wrote a thing. It never touched the paper. And then he looked at me. He says, he said, JB, I'm telling you right now, you don't get up out of my office. I'm calling the police. I said, you can call whoever. As soon as I'm done conducting my union business, I will leave. He picks up the telephone, and he didn't disappoint. He called the police, reported me, 5'10", 188 pounds. I wasn't under armor chiseled then, neither. And said, uh, being refusing to insubordinate won't leave my office. I'm not going to lie, concernment set in. You know, a little, <laughs> still a little unsure. Then he calls the postmaster, wants to put me on 167. Uh, I've never had discipline in my life, but he wants to call the postmaster, put me on 16-7, and, and the postmaster shot him down. They, they didn't really care for this individual. So then I remember I got my stuff together. I'm paper clipping it as he's on the phone, complaining to the postmaster, and I button everything up in my folder, and I walk out, and he comes outside the door, and he yells at me. He says, you don't come back tomorrow until you got Corey or Dave because you're getting an I-I. Don't walk back in my door. And I just remember laughing, walking out the door, but I get to my vehicle, and I <laughs> I remember calling Corey, and he said, what's going on, buddy? And I, I told him about the meeting. I said, you know, this 613 time, I said, uh, how protected are we? Are you sure? <laughs> he just busted out laughing. And he said, what in the guy, you know, what in God's name happened in there? And I said, it, it just went completely south. I said, you know, he said, well, you represent your carriers, and he's not used to it. And he said, but we're going to com- keep on combating them. But, uh, you know, when I heard that protective status uh, episode, I-, I just laughed because I went through the exact same thing. And But we got to be ready to stand up for our people. So, man, I feel like we're going to be on here for a while. 3996s. Let's go, okay? Uh, you're going to listen to this. Please listen to it again. Please make notes. Please utilize it in any way possible. Please reach out if you need further clarification. Um, Corey's right. I am not here for any other reason to try to help one person. If it's one person out there that I help that gains something from this episode, it was a win for me. My life is filled with the things that I want to do. I don't have any special endeavors that I'm trying to accomplish. Uh, I'm simply here because he asked me to be, and, and I owe him that much. He'll never tell you that, but I do. But also to help. That's always the reason. It's always to help benefit our brothers and sisters, to be a stronger union, to be more in solidarity with each other. So, moving forward, when a manager and a supervisor or supervisor is utilizing the tools at their disposable to our detriment, and we're having 
to good, I keep saying combat, but when we're having to address these things through the grievance procedure, when we're having to address the way management is going about managing the workroom floor and how they're utilizing these tools outside the intent of them, you got to be ready. Okay, I'm just, I'm telling you. When it comes to filing grievances on 3996s, the way they're handled, the disposition they're given, the the way they're not given or duplicates not given, how the approval or disapproval has been dressed, you've got to address everything. Everything. I didn't let one thing go by because it was a daily routine. It was a constant battle between letter carriers and this manager on how much time they needed to perform their duties. I told you, we had seen astronomical levels of parcels, and this jack leg was on the forefront. Like I said, it was the perfect individual to give something brand new and shiny, but he was constantly berating letter carriers over projections of a flawed, inaccurate efficiency tool. But I knew that the only way we have to combat things as a union is through the grievance procedure. That's how we address things. You know, we file that protest in writing against management and how they go about it. But you have to be ready, people. And, you know, but don't let anything slide. You've got to train them. And I don't want you to think that I'm being disrespectful. And, well, personally, I really don't care because they were being disrespectful first and foremost. And their behavior was disrespectful. But I looked at this individual like a dog. I looked at him like a brand new dog that needed to be trained. And that's how you should look at somebody that's acting like that to one of your brothers and sisters and utilizing these tools to their detriment. They are a dog that needs to be trained. And when you see an individual train a dog, what do you see them do? They address everything that dog does. When they are training that dog, they don't let that dog get out of line at all. And I made my mind up that I was not going to let this manager get out of line at all. We're going to get to our harmonious working environment. We're going to get to a place where it's mentally healthy to walk through those doors where people enjoy coming into this station and we're not met with a hostility and unattainable goals. And I made my mind up to it. I told you, you got to have individuals support. A lot of these grievances will require cooperating statements. They just will. But convince people that we're going to the we're going to address it, but the only way to address it is through the grievance procedure, and we must stick together. You know, I've always felt like in the grievance procedure, or or as a steward, there's two types of stewards. There's two types of people. There's that individual when a fight breaks out that runs to the fight, that he is getting a front-row ticket to it, that he is on the forefront of fighting for whatever it is, that he is the first one in and he's followed by others. That's one type of individual that's going to run to the fight. And then you have the opposite individual that's going to run away from the fight, that doesn't want any part of it. you got to be the individual that's going to run to that fight, that you're going to get involved, that you're going to address it, that you're going to train this dog, 
and that you're going to make sure that he does each and everything through his morning routine, through his morning office duties, in accordance with our collective bargaining agreements, through our handbooks and manuals, and through everything that he's required to do. And you're going to keep addressing it and addressing it and addressing it to the point they back off. It's the only way to back down management. Like Sluggo said, I'm going to let my grievance do the talking. That's what you need to do is let your grievance do the talking. It's your best resource. It's our only outlet. It's what we have to do. It's the power of the pen. So 39.96 is let's get go. What do we got to do first? I told you earlier that it is the sole responsibility of us. It will always be our responsibility to do what? It's going to be our responsibility on estimating the workload to our route. It was yesterday, it was today, it will be forever our responsibility, okay? It is involved, it's incorporated in our reporting requirements. If you're new, you're a letter carrier just listening, you're an individual, I've been told people that are listening that aren't even involved as a steward or a union representative, they just want to gain knowledge. Well, our reporting requirements is in our M41 handbook, okay? It's in section 131. It is our requirement. The first thing we have to do is verbally inform our manager when we believe we can't complete our assignment in eight hours. And you say, well, when when do we do that? Well, you might clock in and you might come around the corner and you look over at your route and you got to dig yourself in. You you could go ahead and assume that we're going to be a touch past eight hours at that moment. And you could verbally inform them. But by the when the mail is called up, we need to have verbally informed our management at that moment. When the mail is called up, when we have determined that we're going to need more than eight hours, that will prompt them to come and have a conversation. Now, I'm not sure if your station is like mine. You know, we got a big banner on the wall, and it's pretty much been the, the way things have been for a few years. Uh, every piece, every day. It's a commitment. You know, we, we stopped curtailing mail three, four, four-ish years ago. And we just don't curtail anything anymore. The only thing that might get curtailed is a an advo or, or something of that nature. But flats, no, everything's going. So usually when that individual comes over for that conversation, we already know curtailment's off the table. Okay, so that will verbally inform your manager that you're going to need more than eight hours. Now listen, you got to understand, you got to learn, and you got to have a backbone when you're talking to management, and you've got to encourage your brother or sister to have that same backbone. They have to let management know. And how many times do you know that individual that does not want to call that supervisor or manager over? They cringe. They don't want to do it. They have to. They got to. It's the reporting requirements, and you've got to encourage them to do so and let them know that you will be intensely watching and listening for them. But anyways, it's our reporting requirements. Furthermore, in section 131.41 of our reporting requirements says, again, it's your responsibility to verbally inform management when you're not of the opinion that will be unable to case all mail distributed to the route Perform other required duties and leave on schedule or when you will be unable to complete delivery of all the mail. 
Inform management of this well in advance of the scheduled leaving time and not later than immediately following the final receipt of mail. Management will instruct you on what to do. Okay, that's what we have to do as far as our reporting requirements. Now, I told you, uh, you know, I had a tyrant. And I'll never forget, uh, three or four of my carriers came in that day. And his, what's management's ultimate, um, what's management's favorite saying? You know, failure to follow. They believe everything is blanketed under failure to follow instructions, right? So this individual decided to tell three people, your instructions today, now we clock in at 7.30, your instructions today are to be at your first mailbox by 8.30, They didn't bat an eye. They didn't get confrontational. They knew exactly what to do. These individuals, I'll never forget this day, they, absolutely, yes, sir. And that's what we're supposed to do. Let's follow our instructions and file a grievance and protest in writing. But there was no way, any possible remote way, that they were going to be able to case any amount of mail, especially all of it, and get to this first stop by 8.30. But they were going to make sure they did. So I'll never forget, I'm standing there, and I I get a little text message on my phone fixing to approach the boss, you know, and I'm going to be on the forefront of it. So I I make my way on up there, and I say, what's going on with the instruction? That's their instructions. You know, they they don't have enough mail to be in here that long. They can case all the mail and be out there. Well, here they come. They had a 1571. You say, what's a 1571? It's a curtailment slip. And they had it filled out with all the second class, all the flats, first class mail, everything that they weren't able to get in that case and to, to get to that first stop by 8.30. And I, they, I'll they, never forget that manager's face. He looked down at the 1571s, and I knew he didn't want to look over his shoulder, but he knew he had to. And he looked over his shoulder, and those cases were empty. They had done case what they could in about a matter of 30 minutes. They had done pulled it down. And it's about 8.10, and they're trying to get out the door to load that truck up and get to that first stop by 8.30. He said, no, 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 what, what, what are you doing? We're not curtailing anything. They said, hold on a second now. I don't want to be failure to follow instructions, so if you would, just sign my curtail slip so I can follow your instructions to be at my first box. He lost it. He lost it. Just just went off storming, crying. <laughs> just I laughed. I laughed so hard, and he come back. Go back and just case it all. So by him trying to be cute, it cost him an hour of time because they had to take all that mail out. They had to then case it back up. They had to case the mail that was curtailed, and it didn't gain anything out of it, but it taught him a lesson at that moment that we're not going to be bullied right there. You're not going to come in and hit me with your instructions are to be at this box. But if they do, guess what? I'll be there. But you're going to sign my curtail slip. You're going to acknowledge the mail that I couldn't get in that case to be there. That's one thing you're going to do. But anyhow, I, I thought that was funny. But yeah, that was a story uh, that went along with this this little journey we're on. But, uh, you know, we're going to follow management's instructions. But we're going to request a 39.96 if we're not able to finish our assignment in eight hours. And that's with everything that's distributed to that route. Okay? Again, I told you earlier, get used to estimating your daily workload. If you're a brand new carrier, if it's something that you haven't practiced, you need to be looking at that mail. As soon as you report to your case, throw it up there on the ledge, look at it, assess it in your mind, come up with an expectation in your mind of when you think you'll be able to get it in the case. 
when you'll get your spurs in the case, perform your other duties, when you'll pull it down, and what time you, in your mind, realistically, you think you'll be leaving that door. Okay? Do that every morning. First thing. Just start, as you're unstrapping the mail and ripping the plastic off these flats, be thinking about how long this may take and estimating your daily workload. It won't take long. You'll get really good at it. But it will help you give a uh, your best estimation on your 3996 because we do want to give uh, an honest estimate. You know, we want to be uh, up here while management's way down here. But this is where I say you got to be ready to grieve everything because when we were having this problem, people would recommend, uh, request 3996s, and he just flat out wasn't going to give them. And nobody's getting the 3996. I'm filing a grievance. I am filing a grievance on everything from the moment he walks around the workroom floor to the moment we leave and on into the PM, as you'll see as we go through. But I am filing a grievance because I'm going to train this dude. You're not going to treat my people like this. You need to understand a 3996 is a carrier's form. It's my form. I don't fill it out because management wants me to. I fill it out for my protection. But a 3996, and I firmly believe, and everybody's fixing to shake their head, or I would say they will be shaking their head at this comment, it is the most confrontational form in all of the post office. It is the result of more arguments in the post office than any other form that exists because it's asking for more time and what is it management doesn't want to give they want to get less time they want their numbers to look good they want to get a little bonus they say they never get that we know they do okay so they're always going to try to convince you that's actually doing the damn work that you don't need as much as you need but i'm grieving everything so when i heard that i'm getting my pen ready I'm filing a grievance on that. You say, why is it a grievance that they don't get a 3996? Because it's management's requirement. It's in their own handbook. Okay? M39, section 122.33. It states, the employee, upon request, will be provided a Form 3996, Carry Auxiliary Control. After the supervisor has been verbally informed as to the reason for the request, the employee shall not be denied the form. And upon request, a duplicate of the completed form will be provided to the employee. That's clear, concise requirement. Will not be denied. Shall not be denied. Excuse me. That means if I say I need a 3996, well, hold on, I really don't think it. I don't care what you think. Think about getting me a 3996. Think on that. Think about walking over there to the desk and grabbing me a damn 3996 and bringing it over here. That's what you need to think about. And that's what he needs to be thinking as you tell him. I'm not going to do this back and forth. I work too hard to have this back and forth. So get me a 3996. Okay, now don't get out there like that. But in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. Go get me my 3996 right now because I've made a request and you have an obligation that it will not be denied to me. But if he doesn't do it like this individual does, you need to file a grievance. You say, well, that seems kind of small. It may sound small at this current moment, but you're building the bigger package. You're building a foundation of a behavior pattern. You're building what potentially could ultimately be a hostile working environment grievance, a joint statement grievance. 
It's not a joint statement just on violence. It's a joint statement on violence and behavior. And if a dictator wants to rule by intimidating, by trying to bully and cause extra stress levels in that environment, he is creating a hostile working environment. I don't want to work beside a stressed individual. I'll just be honest with you. I don't want to work beside an individual that might just lose it. Okay, and if that's what management is creating in your environment, you need to address it and address it and address it. But what you're building is what I call dots. You're connecting dots that will lead to the bigger picture eventually. And it led to my bigger picture. It led to this individual eventually leaving and has never returned. You couldn't pour that manager back in my station. But he ultimately left and was removed. But nevertheless, I built a foundation, okay? And it starts with what might be the smallest of grievance. And it is a grievance. And I told you I wasn't going to do a lot of grievance handling, but for your benefit, if it's a benefit at all, but if you would like to use it in a grievance, this is an issue statement that I had. And it was, did management violate Article 19 and 41 of the National Agreement via Section 122 of the M39 Handbook when they failed to provide letter carrier so-and-so a PS Form 3996 upon their request? If so, what is the appropriate remedy? And this was the resolution for that grievance. The former lay parties agree management violated Section 122 of the M39 Handbook via Article 19 of the National Agreement and will cease and desist from any future violations. Management is directed to the following... And then it below it has the M39 handbook language of the section 122.33. That is beneficial. That's a, a resolution. And if they keep doing it, we're going to file it every time. And we're going to keep these resolutions. We're going to start building our foundation, our platform to address this behavior on a bigger scale. But we want to definitely go ahead and address it all. You've got to train a dog. And if they want to act like a dog, then we're going to train them like a dog. Step three of your morning, if you do get a 3996, fill out that form completely. Now, you're not going to find anything out there of an exact template on how to fill out the form. I have recommendations. I have my opinion, and my opinion is simply just I put everything down that was distributed to my route that day. You know, I'm a T6 carrier, so I don't have a, any base numbers, but... Even with that being said, I'm just simply writing down everything that was distributed to my case that day. If I got six feet of flats, I'm going to write down six feet of flats. If I ended up robbing up a total of nine inches of letters, I'm going to write down nine inches of letters. The only number that I'll ever entertain taken from management is DPS. Okay, now if they tell me I got uh, a thousand pieces and I know four or five hundred pieces fit in a tray and I get over there and I got seven trays, I'm calling bullshit, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, not getting me with a thousand uh, piece uh, estimation on my 3996. But I'm going to write down my DPS number as they give it. Uh, you, you might want to write down your buckets of spurs, I, you know, four buckets of spurs. As you're putting your parcels and sequencing them in the back of your truck, you realize you got about 65 to 70 packages. Uh, you have 100% advos that day. You, you had a stand-up talk. Uh, you had change of addresses. Um, inclement weather may be moving in. Your accountable mail. You know, how that's going to affect you. Like I said, there is no standard for street. You know why? Because every day is different. 
every day is different. It's like a thousand, a hundred different ways you can make a Whopper. You know, uh, I always say, you know, what I did yesterday has nothing to do with today. Uh, yesterday I may have gotten done a little earlier. Today I may need a little more. It always depends on the mail volume. But I'm going to fill out my form completely. That way management can address everything that I've been dispositioned to my assignment that day. Now, when it comes to estimation, I, I don't know why. I mean, I don't. hell, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. But I, I've noticed in the estimation, you know, block K, that sometimes you'll see an individual put 10 hours and 15 minutes. You're requesting 10 hours and 15 minutes of overtime. You know, you need to request what's in addition to eight hours in your estimation block. You know, that way we're being, you know, proper in my personal opinion, and I do feel like it's correct. But anyways, in that estimation, you know, this is what you're estimating that you will need either in auxiliary assistance or in overtime. Now, what about if management says we need an exact number that you're requesting you're the professional letter carrier we need the exact number uh, or the exact time that you're going to need on this assignment we're going to grieve that and we're going to grieve it because there's an m document and this is m number 0031 that addresses that very comment or that very instruction and the local policy does not hold carriers liable for the exact number of overtime or auxiliary assistance requested, but rather an estimate within a close approximation. The policy appears to be reasonable and it is not in violation of the national agreement. However, it is recognized that the policy does not relieve management of their responsibility for reviewing the accuracy of the request. The local policy does not hold carriers liable for the exact amount, meaning we are not held accountable to put down an exact amount of overtime and it states that we're putting a close approximation of what we need, an estimation. How much estimation? Uh, I'm not going to be on the hook for that. I like to say 15, 20, either way. You know, I might think I need an hour and I get done in 45, or I, I might need, I think I only need an hour, but ended up needing an hour and 15. But nevertheless, I'm going to put down all these things on my 3996 because I want management to be able to see clearly everything that's been dispositioned in my route and this is my form it's for my protection I want to be able to list in detail and you got to give this form to management don't just walk it over when they're not at the desk lay it on there and run out the door that's not getting a disposition you got to fill it out but then management has a responsibility to get you a disposition this is where the part where you need to keep your cool, okay? We're not going to get engaged with management. We're not going to sit there and go back and forth with them. You know, one of the things that happened in my station when individuals did start getting the 3996s as a result of the grievances, right? We started filing these grievances. That wasn't just the only one I filed. That that's probably one of fifty that he wasn't getting our res or giving these individuals thirty nine ninety sixes. But what did he do? What's a dictator do in their finest moment? They start being the first part of dictator even more. So he starts conducting mail counts every day. He starts informing carriers where well, you're getting counted tomorrow. Well, how are we gonna go about maybe combating that? Obviously, it's a form of harassment, you know, and we're building up to that. But I wanted to be a little bit different, I guess, and see how I could get them off maybe quicker. I told one of my buddies, I said, 
start counting your DPS when we do a one-day mail count. He said, what? I've never counted my DPS. And I said, well, we're fixing to find out. I said, because I'm under the opinion that it says we have the opportunity and right to verify all the mail that's been distributed and that is going to be counted for our assignment that day. And I'll never forget it. He went over there, grabbed his DPS after he had verified all the other mail, and the manager instantly, what are you doing? He said, I already gave you your DPS number. He said, well, I want to verify the mail. He said, we're not doing that today. He said, you're not verifying the DPS. He said, I gave you the number from the uh, start of day report. He said, so you don't need to verify it. I already gave it. He said, anything that I'm putting on this 1838C, any number that I'm writing down, I'm verifying it. He says, well, I'm not letting you count it. And that for, uh, hence the grievance. <laughs> this grievance went to the DRT, and I might get Jeremy to post the uh, the DRT decision. It, it, it's quite anyway. You want to talk about one day mail counts coming to a, a, a screeching halt? <laughs> when we got this decision back, the dispute resolution team has resolved this grievance. The DRT determines carriers may request and be allowed to count the mail during a one day mail count per step four decision M dash zero one two one six which shall include DPS letter mail. The DRT agrees no documentation entered on PS Form 1838 or 1838C will be used for any purpose to determine the efficiency of letter carry so-and-so performance on 4-4-2017. That was a great win because you know what we did? We requested to uh, verify that DPS, and it it lasted for about a, a week. And I'll never forget, uh, I asked an individual, I said, well, how close was the number to what he gave you? He said, do you think I really counted that DPS? I just <laughs> He sat on a stool moving one letter at a time to the other DPS. But it got, us, it got him off our ass. It got him off our back. It was just another means to combat their dictatorship of them harassing us through one-day mail counts. This step forward, I mean, this DRT decision, I told you that M document or uh, that was in there. I'll read it to you. It's M-01216. It states, The issue in this case is whether management violated the national agreement by not allowing carriers to count the mail counted by the supervisor during a one-day count. During our discussions, we mutually agree to the following. On the day of a one-day count, when management performs the mail count, the carrier serving the route upon request may verify the count. That means during a one-day count in 1838C that management says they're doing just to check performance, but it's really to harass us, we can verify that DPS mail. If you have a manager that's doing that in your station, that's constantly making the same people or everybody, you know, every week we got to do 1838Cs, start requesting to verify that DPS mail, and when they deny you that, grieve it. And when you get you a decision back that says that you can, and I'll I'll get Jeremy to post this one up there because you can utilize the language and everything. Um, I can even get my contentions, too, put up there. But anyways, it's a beautiful way to combat management being management, you know, a dictator. So, again, uh, I, I broke off right there just because that's, again, we're going down this path that I went down and going down memory lane. So, anyhow, uh, I remember that. That B-team decision was, was big at that moment in time. I was very proud of it. we got to keep our cool. You know why? Because this is the moment management wants to engage you and get you to cross over that threshold into their arena. 
okay? They want you to argue. They want to get combative with you. I'm not going to get combative. I've already had a conversation. I've already heard your expectation based upon your your tools. And now you're denying my overtime based off the tool. And he, he always doesn't mind telling you, well, Pet says this or Doyce said this. But I'm not going to cross over and in potentially put myself in a 16-7 situation. You need to make sure individuals uh, understand to remain calm. Allow the pen to do the talking. Allow the paperwork to do the talking. That grievance on the table. Everybody's voice is temporary once that 8190 hits the table. But you got to keep your cool and you got to let other individuals know that they need to keep their cool. Now, he comes over to talk to you about your 3996 and you request a copy. Well, I need a copy of my 96. Well, I'm not giving you a copy. We need a copy for our protection. Anything I ever will give management, I'm getting a copy. I'm going to repeat that, everybody. Anything I give management, I'm getting a copy. Everything. Not that I don't trust them, but guess what? I just don't trust them. And the ones that are halfway decent, they got so much going on in their day uh, through telecons and running around acting like they're busy, that stuff gets lost. I'm going to request a copy. What happens when he says, I'm not giving you a copy? I'm filing a grievance. We're, we're going down this path. We're going to show that your behavior is still not improving. That number one, it took grievances to start getting a 3996. Now we're asking for a copy to protect myself because I'm not protected without it. I don't. What do you think is going to happen to your 96 if you don't have a copy of it? I can tell you where it's going. It's going straight in the damn trash. you know. But management is obligated to give you a copy. All right. They're also required to give you a disposition. You say, what's a disposition? That means when I put in my 3996, I really firmly can't continue my duties until I get a disposition because I don't know if management's going to approve auxiliary assistance that would require me to pull some portion of my route off. If I'm going to be approved the overtime, if I'm going to be told to pivot some, uh, split it up, however it may be, I need a disposition. You say, well, where is the disposition coming to play? It's Article 41.3G, and it states that the employer will advise a carrier who has properly submitted a carrier auxiliary control form, 3996, of the disposition of the request promptly after review of the circumstances at the time. Upon request, a duplicate copy of the completed form 3996 and form 1571 that we talked about earlier, if we have a curtailment slip, report of undeliverable mail will be provided the carrier. So they are required to give us a disposition, but first they won't even give us a copy of the disposition. All right, we're going to file a grievance. Here's the issue statement that we're going to use, or I recommend using. Did management violate Articles 19 and 41 of the National Agreement via Section 122 of the M39 Handbook when they failed to provide letter carrier so-and-so a duplicate PS Form 3996 upon their request? If so, what is the appropriate remedy? The remedy that we got is that the formula parties agree management violated Article uh, 41.3G and Section 122 of the M39 Handbook via Article 19 of the National Agreement and will cease and desist from any future violations and is directed to the following with the, the language underneath. Another dot. 
another form of behavior that we're connecting. You know, we're showing the pattern that they're going down that they wouldn't even give us a 39.96. Now they won't even give us a duplicate. All right? So we're going to continue along our grievance path, okay? All right, but we have to. We talked about what DOIS and what PET is. And when they utilize it for the sole determinant of our overtime request, that they utilize it to approve slash disapprove our overtime, a little bit of dialogue there goes a long way. They come over, they don't give you uh, what you requested. We think you only need 20 minutes. You requested 45, I, I only see 20. You only see 20 from what? Well, that's what the data's showing. The data from where? Well, the, you know, the computer. Oh, so it's a program. Yeah, it's a program. So do you enter data into this program? Yeah, we put numbers into the program. What's it called? Doyce. Bam. Bingo. Now we got us a good statement. Now hopefully we got an individual that overheard that and will write a corroborating statement that management relied upon PET or Doyce as the sole approval or disapproval of my overtime request. Okay? That's how we're going to go about combating management, utilizing tools to approve slash disapprove our overtime there's also a very good m document 01624 that will also be beneficial for you in your grievance handling it will address the responsibility of assessing 3996s and it states in addition doyce does not replace a supervisor's ability or responsibility to make decisions Supervisors are to continue evaluating requests for assistance, PS Form 3996, and assess any unusual circumstances or conditions that have occurred. The DOIS projected leave time cannot be sole basis for disapproving auxiliary assistance requests or approving more time than requested. Simply put, DOIS cannot be the sole basis for the approval slash disapproval of overtime or auxiliary assistance. We have to combat it. If management wants to rely upon this tool and try to hold us to unobtainable goals, we have to grieve it every time. We have to train them not that we're going to be subjective to this type of working environment. We're not going to allow them to use tools. We're on that trend again, people. So these M documents, these things that you need to start learning, I've always told you there's so much information out there on uh, DOICE and the programs just by a simple Google search. Jeremy's going to also put up a performance engagement tool, informational packet, and also with some issue statements, a little bit of facts, contentions. They may be beneficial to you, but you got to get knowledgeable about those things. If management won't give you a disposition, they just flat out write zero. Have they given you a disposition at all? They know that you're going to be past your eight hours because they're holding the very form that's telling them you're going to be past eight damn hours. Okay, so they can't act like it doesn't exist, but they don't want to give you a disposition. They do the old zero. We don't think you need it. I'm going to grieve it. I'm going to keep grieving it. Okay, I, I grieved it so much that we ultimately ended up with a decision that really kind of put the, the icing on the cake, you know, and it's kind of held the, stand, the test of time and really held management feet to the fire. And we haven't had any problems since then, but it was a path that we went down. It was a path that we got rid of this individual that the postmaster finally said, this guy is a result of a hundred grievances and I'm not going to employ him here at this station anymore and moved him. But it was the behavior that was, he was 
that ended up being his detriment. But I just want to read, you know, when management's not going to give us a, a disposition, we're going to grieve that, and we're going to address management there. They have to give us a disposition. And when they fail to do that, when they don't promptly, and that word promptly means immediate or with no delay, and we're continuing to use Doyle's projections as the sole basis of our approval or disapproval, we're going to file a grievance. And this grievance resolution, I told you, ended up being, um, you know, one that has really stood the test of time. And now it's like it should be. You know, management has a normal conversation. And we use input from both sides and common sense, and we come up with a an expectation, a reasonable one. And the story behind this resolution was management, they just really... It really tipped the scale that day. You know, we had overtime requests were disapproved, auxiliary requests. You know, thirty nine ninety sixes were disapproved. Uh, flat out said it was because of Doyce and pet projections. We had previous settlements, obviously by this point, a lot of settlements, B team decisions, uh, instructing management to cease and desist. Um, we were instructed to to work past, or they were rest- instructed to work past the time they were approved in the AEM. And so when they returned to the office, they asked to have their 3996s updated and management refused. And then ultimately, they were inputted into uh, unauthorized overtime, the 1017B log. And so that that was the issues that involved this grievance and the resolution that came down that is citable and precedent, you know, for my station. It really changed things. And like I said, this individual left shortly thereafter. But... um, you know, the resolution was management will properly act on the amount of time requested by the carrier in Section K, a PS Form 3996, and give clear and concise instructions under Section L, management's action, as to the disposition of all time requested by carriers in Section K, a PS Form 3996. See, management is so confused that it's a negotiation. It's my request. It's my form. The fact that you're going to come over here and try to nickel and dime me, all you're doing is adding time to my request. If you want to sit here and talk to me 15 minutes about a 45-minute 39.96, when you leave, I'm going to need an hour. It's not a negotiation. It's what I've estimated my workload to be because that is my job. Okay, now I need you to make a disposition. And that's what this resolution says of all the time. It goes on that management will instruct the letter carrier either to deliver all the mail and make the resulting overtime requested under Section K of the PS Form 3996 or provide auxiliary assistance, provided auxiliary assistance slash overtime to properly satisfy the time requested by carriers under Section K of the PS Form 3996 in its entirety. We had hit the point where management was fed up. Management was fed up with management. They were fed up with how we were being treated and how our overtime was being dispositioned. And they weren't dealing with it anymore. The B team finally came with a decision that held management's feet to the fire and how they will address our 3996s. It goes on to say, Management reserves the right to challenge the estimated work time requested by letter carriers under Section K on PS Form 3996 by walking with the carrier on the day the form was submitted. You talk about a pissed-off manager that now when he disputes or doesn't make a disposition to all that time, that the way he has to challenge that is to get out there and walk with us or ride with us 
do you think a manager really wants to sit in the back of a LLV or a postal vehicle or walk seven, eight miles or 13 miles out there all day just because he didn't believe your 45 minutes of uh, 3996 request? Well, this is what this asshole had to do from that day forward. And like I said, he wasn't there much longer, but that's what he had to do. Because the, the the amount of decisions, the platform, the foundation that we had built, that we addressed everything, that we grieved everything, that we were on the forefront of that fight, they had to. You know, we cornered them down with resolutions and cease and desist and language, you know, that ended up making them, uh, painted themselves into a corner that this is the stipulated manner on how you're going to give a disposition. And the decision keeps going. Management will cease and desist. The Doyce. Uh, the use of DOIS projections or any other management tool as the sole basis for adjusting a carrier's PS form 3996. The use of DOIS doesn't change the letter carrier's reporting requirements outlined in Section 131. The supervisor scheduling responsibilities under Section 122 of the Handbook M39 and the letter carrier's supervisor's responsibilities contained in Section 28 of M41. Uh, it goes on to say that management will cease and desist to unauthorize overtime. Uh, the 1017B log entries will be rescinded and removed. But really and truly, it was that first part of they'll make a disposition of all time because that's what they're required to do. That's what Article 413G says, that they will make a disposition. Now, another situation that we had going on is when we got our 3996s, they wanted to write all over them. They want to annotate on them. They want to put their base numbers down or why they disapproved it or what they thought our overtime should be. And we're going to grieve that. We're going to grieve everything that we can get our hands on. But I had to constantly try to find, educate myself and why and what their responsibilities was and what they could and could not do. If you got a manager or a supervisor that's constantly writing on your 3996 outside their provisions, you need to grieve it. If they want to doodle, they can go doodle on their own pad. But don't doodle on my damn 3996. This is my form. I just need you to either yes or no make a disposition to my overtime request. The issue statement that we used in this, if you're unfamiliar with are they or are they not allowed to annotate on RPS form 3996, the answer is no. There's only a, a minute section of what they can write in. But the issue was, did management violate Articles 1 and 19 of the National Agreement via Handbook M41, Section 131, when management annotated in the carrier section on PS Form 3996? The DRT has resolved this grievance. The DRT determines management will utilize PS Form 3996 for the sole purpose of recording and or auxiliary assistance when requested by a letter carrier. Management will cease and desist annotating PS Form 3996 outside the provisions of Section 280 of the M41 Handbook. There were two reasons why we grieved that. One, because they were writing down their expectations, what Doyce or what Pet said, and writing down why they disapproved overtime and their disposition. And then two, on takeoffs, they were writing down and block, uh, block in the carrier's portion of what the individual that was casing the route, that was pivoting a route, what they should be filling out. That's carrier work. I don't want them doing anything uh, that belongs to a letter carrier. It's the letter carrier that fills out the 3996 and puts it with the pivot or the, the, the relay or the takeoff, whatever you want to call it, but not management. And this individual wanted to, wanted to be combative and, and even resist that. 
So we filed a grievance. But it was more so that he wanted to write all over our 3996s his expectations outside the provisions. You know, like I said, when we submit a 3996, Block L, management's actions, that's that's his opportunity to write something. It's disapprove or prove. And that's all I'm looking to see right there. But I'm not going to have somebody annotating all over our 3996, but it's another form of behavior. You know, don't lose sight of the small things. They're small wins, but they're going down the path of behavior. And that's what the individual needs to understand out there, y'all, or that's what you need to understand out there, y'all, is when you have a supervisor manager that draws that line in the sand that he's going to be a ruler with an iron fist, you need to be ready to be on the forefront of that fight. So we're still going. Damn, this is long. I apologize, people. Uh, again, break it down. Listen to it over a course of a couple of days. Listen to it all at once. Uh, again, I hope it's good. I knew it was only three subject matters, Doys, Pet, 3996s, but it was going to be a lot that branches off of it. But let's talk about once we get a disposition. We may not have got a disposition for all of it. We put in for two hours. We only got an hour. We're, we're already going to be filing a grievance on them not making a, a, a disposition on the request. But... What do we do when we're on the street? Remember, we're letter carriers. We're not management. We get paid to deliver mail. Management gets paid to manage. And ultimately, what they're trying to set us up for by not giving us a proper disposition to all the time is to set us up for unauthorized overtime. Or they want you to get out there and end up performing your duties in an unsafe manner by running and doing things and cutting corners that potentially could take your mind off safety. They want you to skip your break. They're hoping you skip your lunch. They're hoping that you'll do these things in fear that if you don't make it back by their approved time uh, to avoid unauthorized overtime. Okay, that's what they're hopeful for. So we got to be out there and we got to give it our best. Fair day's work for a fair day's pay. But we don't make decisions. We let management make decisions. And so if my end tour is 4 o'clock and I'm approved for an hour but not the two hours, I got to call back and let management know how I'm looking. And this conversation is very simple. Don't get misconstrued in um, we're going to go back and forth again. I'm not doing it. Now, whether you like to text, whether you like to use the RIMS message, whether you want to call, I, I recommend... Making a note on my 3996, you know, at this point, we're grievance handling. We're grievance building, okay? We're building our case file and our position. So I pull over 2, 3 o'clock if y'all have a callback policy, whatever it is. Now, I'm of the opinion they already know that I'm going to be in an overtime status because I've already given them a 3996 telling them. But to protect myself, I'm at least going to make a callback. I'm going to call them back. I'm going to say, this is JB. I'm at 100 Hill Street. I'm not going to make 5 o'clock. What would you like me to do? Well, what do you mean you're not going to make? I'm not going to talk about that right now. We can do that with a shop steward if you want. What do you want me to do? What is your instruction? That's it. That's the only conversation I'm having at that moment. You know, Corey sent me something the other day, and, and it just kind of took me uh, by surprise. But if, if this don't let you know that this is going on out there and that they're starting to attack us, listen to this scanner message that he got. This individual sent this. It says, this is from the manager on the scanner message. Sending a RIMS or calling the station to report you are returning late will not be sufficient. All unauthorized OT will be coded and you will be charged. Nice threat. 
That's a very nice threat when we're trying to perform our duties to inform management of our needs. That's the that's the message we get in return. That's how they look at us. But we're not going to make decisions. I'm going to send a rims message. I'm going to send a text message. I'm going to attempt to call. I'm going to take a picture of my rims message. I'm going to take a screenshot of my text message. And I'm going to take a screenshot of when I attempted to call the station. And I'm going to tell you in just a second how you find out whether you were coded as unauthorized overtime or not. But I'm going to let management manage. Now the ultimate instruction that we always get is complete delivery of all the mail. Right? Always get complete. They don't want you to bring that mail back. So they tell us to complete the delivery of all the mail, but the time will still be recorded as unauthorized. Okay, thank you. I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to finish my, my duties. I'm not going to bring that mail back. I, I, don't, I don't recommend bringing mail back. I've always told the individuals that I represent, I, I feel like 1017B and unauthorized overtime is easier to combat or easier to uh, grieve than possibly a willful delay of mail. Okay, so if the instruction is deliver all that mail, go ahead and deliver all that mail, even if the time's going to be recorded as unauthorized, we're going to address that because you gave the instruction to complete delivery and it's inherent that that authorization was in an overtime status, so it can't be unauthorized. But we're going to get to it, okay? All right? We got to call the post office. We got to make them manage at every turn and we're grieving everything. From the moment we walk in the door and they won't give us the 3996 to the moment we walk out the door and they won't update my 3996, we're going to be filing grievances and we're going to combat this behavior. What's a powerful document that we could use in an unauthorized overtime grievance? Okay, M-00326. Again, this will also be up. It's also in your MRS. Get familiar with these things, stewards. you got to be knowledgeable about this. But this is a powerful document when you're given the instruction, uh, either a double instruction, if, if management tells you to deliver all mail today and be back in 8. Well, if you can't be back in 8, if you've already told them you're going to need an hour, why would you think I could deliver all the mail and be back in 8? You know, that's a double order. But we're going to deliver all that mail, and then we're going to use this M document. Or like I said a minute ago, you went out there, you gave it an attempt, and you realized you were going to need the additional time, and he told you to go ahead and complete delivery of your assignment, but it will be unauthorized. We're filing a grievance on that. Not going to put me in unauthorized overtime status. It may not be a disciplinary action, but you accumulate enough of those, you can bet you'll be seeing a letter of warning, and then it will be a form of discipline. It's a minute form of discipline. But this M document states, a review of the material submitted at the four-step level indicates that the grievance did inform management of their inability to complete their routes in eight hours. Further, it was demonstrated that they were ordered by management to complete the routes. Although there was no expressed authorization to complete the delivery of the mail on an overtime basis, the permission would be inherent in the authorization to continue delivery after notification that the grievance were unable to complete the routes. That's exactly what we're talking about. You would think that they would have already understood this. They don't, people. They don't like us. I don't know. I, the jig is up, y'all. I hope you know. <laughs> they, they, they don't like us at all. They're constantly trying to screw us. And instead of thanking a letter carrier every day, 
because we are the hardest working craft in all the postal service and all these son of a bitches get to put a paycheck in their pocket at the end of the day off the backs of us we are the breadwinners we are the ones that make everybody money at the postal service and this is how they treat you constantly trying to strip you of any and all amount of time that you need and then after they already know that the authorization was inherent they still put you in an overtime or a non unauthorized overtime status. That's what they think about us, people. I said a second ago, you want to find out if you've been in a 1017B log? You want to find out if you've been put in there or not? Once you call back <clears throat> and that was your instruction, notate all that on your 3996. I spoke with Supervisor so-and-so at 3 o'clock at 100 Hill Street. I was told to complete delivery of all my assignment, but the time would be recorded as unauthorized overtime. Um, have a screenshot of your phone call, text message, picture the RIMS message, whatever that you can accumulate to show that you've done your duties as far as reporting to them the need for additional time. But when you come back in that door, walk over to the supervisor or manager and ask them to update your PM 3996 or your 3996 in the PM and wait for the response. You're fixing to find out if you're in unauthorized overtime or not. Because if they don't update it, that tells me I'm in the unauthorized overtime, that I'm in the 1017B log, and I need to speak to my steward immediately so he can request to see the 1017B log because I told you I needed additional time. You told me to complete the delivery of my assignment. You knew that authorization was going to be in an overtime status, so it shouldn't be unauthorized. But that's how you find out real quick whether you've been put in the 1017B log or not. Now, we got savvy at my stay. I told you I had a few. Uh, we stuck together. I don't know what else to say. We stuck together. And I was always on the forefront for them. I never minded approaching management and saying, hey, what's the, what's the problem or the misunderstanding of updating this 3996 to reflect what you authorized? I'm not authorizing anything. It's unauthorized. They always found their way around. We always had statements. I'll never forget, I was meeting with him one time, and he was just pissed off, uh, as usual. But he said, you know, JB, it's the same people, same people that always have a statement. I, I can tell you before I even open up this case file whose statement I'm fixing to be looking at. And I said, an arbitrator don't know that. And he just looked at me, and I laughed my ass off. An arbitrator don't know that. Arbitrator don't know that they're, you know, these same individuals are sticking together because they're sick and tired of a tyrant. An arbitrator don't know that we're sick and tired of this individual, all these other grievances, all the other statements in those files. But we stuck together and and we battled management and it gained a lot of trust from other letter carriers. You know, they 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 trust me. They respected me enough to to be their shop steward but they've also built a level of trust that knows that hey if i tell them i'm going to do something if i tell them i'm going to get us there they they believe me and they back me and it it will you too you know this reliving some of these grievances um i can't tell you i mean i really wish that you could understand and i hope some of you do understand but I hope some of you haven't been subjected to this type of atmosphere. But if you are or it's headed that direction, get knowledgeable, okay? 
This is what the DRT said for my station again for about PM thirty nine ninety sixes. If if you were unknowledgeable about you know getting your thirty nine ninety six updated in the PM, I, it's again it's for my protection. I need them to notate that they authorize this overtime that I requested it. It was initially denied, or maybe it was I, I, I needed it and I didn't realize it, but I was told to perform it. That's management, 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 managing, and they need to reflect that on my 3996. But we sent this grievance up, and it was did management violate, and it was two things. One, because they put them in for unauthorized overtime, and two, they would not update the 3996s in the PM. So, uh, again, did management violate Articles 15 and 19 of the National Agreement via Section 115 of the M39 Handbook when management instructed the carriers to work past the time they were authorized to work in the AM and when they returned to the office and requested to have their PS Form 3996 updated, management refused and got confrontational. The resolution that we got... The DRT agrees management will update PS Form 3996 when inherent authorization is given. There's those words again. That came directly from my contentions from the Step 4 M document that I put in the case file that we read a minute ago, that 00326. Inherent authorization was given. It sounds very simple, don't it? It sounds like what is so hard to understand. It's because management wants to be... A bully, especially when we're using time projections and when we're addressing 3996s, they want to be a bully. But when that inherent authorization is given, which requires the grievance to complete their assignments in an overtime status, the DRT also determined the incident date will not be considered in the administration of discipline and any relevant PS Form 1017B notations of unauthorized overtime will be omitted. That's great language. That's great language that identifies that they will update our 3996 in the PM. That's our protection. That's what we got to have to reflect what management has instructed us to do. I recommend a carrier have a folder. I gave every carrier in my station, whether they still have it or not, I don't know. Uh, I gave them all a folder to keep in their locker to put anything and everything in it. You know, anything that they give management, 3996s, accumulate a record of them, keep a pack of them. You know, their 3971s, everything. You know, I want to make it as easy for me to help them as possible. So when I tell them all, and I told y'all, anything I give to management, I make a copy of, I tell the individuals in my station the same thing. It doesn't mean they always listen, but I, I put it out there regularly. But they got something to obtain it with. And keep up with it because when I go to filing grievances, I want to make my job as easy as possible. So if I got records, that makes it easy for me. But them 3996s, that's for their protection. Where is all this going? I told you already a couple times, it's a pattern of behavior. It's a pattern about management wanting to bully letter carriers from not giving them 3996s, for not giving them a duplicate, for not giving them a disposition, to giving orders they can't obtain, from management not wanting to approve PM 3996s, wanting to put carriers in for unauthorized overtime. It's management trying to bully and hold us accountable to fictitious numbers from Doyce and Pet. 
That's what management wants to do. They come around with unattainable goals through linear measurements that we talked about through DOIS, through PET, and we can't obtain those goals. So all these dots that we create, that we continue to address management and file on everything, file on each and everything when it gets to this level, that we're going to go ahead and teach management how to management. They got to be trained. But all this is headed towards a big joint statement grievance. I told you this individual left uh, or was removed. We had just filed a, a joint statement because he lost his shit one day. And the way he acted out on the workroom floor and the way he was talking to letter carriers and the amount of statements that we were able to obtain, the grievances that we had, the way that he was uh, going about managing letter carriers, we weren't putting up with it. You know, we had built a solid foundation. We had built a, a case file that was worthy of arbitration. We had history. You know, all these things are a pattern of behavior. Roughly, right after, right before the informal aid meeting, I don't remember, the postmaster called me, and, and I'll never forget it. He said, JB, you, you can put your pen down. <clears throat> I said, excuse me? He said, you can put your pen down. He He's gone. And, and matter of fact, he's he's going to a station with only rural carriers. And I said, well, poor, poor rural carriers. But they removed him from, my, or they moved him out of my station. And, you know, the the battle that we fought, you know, I told you, being the first one on the battlefield, the last one to, to leave the battlefield, it was gratifying. Just looking at all these grievances again today and over the past couple of days preparing to come on here, um, it, it's just been, you know, to relive that. I want to make sure anybody out there that ever needs some help, you know, I know Corey has talked about some of the other things. Uh, y'all message him, email him. I guess there's Facebook. I told you I don't have social media, but uh, I'd be more than happy to assist in any way I can. Um, but that's what this is about. You know, to me, this is what all this is about, is helping one another be the best that we can be, that we don't want to get run over by management. We don't want our carriers coming in the doors to an environment that is not mentally healthy. We don't want management utilizing tools to our detriment. We don't want management uh, browbeating, harassing, intimidating letter carriers to numbers that are unobtainable. You know, these scanners that we have right now are going to be monitoring our daily duties, but management is going to be on the forefront to try to push you out the door. They're going to try to push you out the door and get you out there as quick as possible They're going to try to convince you to run into unobtainable goals, disapproving overtime requests, not providing documents that they're supposed to provide. But at the end of the day, we got to be ready. And we got to be ready for our brothers and sisters. We got to represent our craft. Uh, I'm looking at the clock right here. I cannot believe I've talked this long. I hope, you know, that it pieced together. Okay. At the end of the day, I hope this pieced together. Please go look at the the website, these M documents that we went over. Read them, people. Read each and every one of them. Go over them. Look over the the pet tool um, engagement report. Go online. Get information about Doyce. I can even give Jeremy some things about Doyce that could put that he could put up there. But realize that these programs, when they're used for our disciplinary matters that we're not held to standards according to these tools, okay? The only standard that we can be used against is a piece count. That's a standard. 
not doys, not pet, but they they utilize these things as the sole determinant. We got to grieve them, but um, you know, learn and get knowledgeable. I know Corey made mention of the red line policy. Some of y'all, um, we've dealt with this before. It's a trend that, uh, again, for, for whatever reason, has uh, surfaced and reared its ugly head. Red line policy is a policy they put in place uh, in the installation here back in 2013, and I've heard mentioning of it again here and there, where they 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 pretty much put a red line of tape on the floor about 10, 15 feet inside the back dock. I mean, inside the back doors where you come in, and they say we don't want you taking any mail or going across this red line. That you were to put everything in the throwback case right here. Anything else that needs to go back to your case. You just throw in a bucket right here and we'll put it by your case the next day. That is not how we uh, conduct our PM office duties, people. Okay? We have a outline in M41 Handbook, Section 4, of how we go about performing our PM office duties. And how we also get what is called wash-up time. When I come back from a hot day, I'm expecting to go in there to the restroom and clean up from my hot day, and management's going to pay me for it because it's in our contract. I'm going to go in there and wash up, you know, clean up a minute. I'm going to report back all my mail that I'm supposed to. I take my undelivered mail to the throwback case. I got to cross that red line to go give my accountables or any other information to the to the clerk that used to be there that's no longer there, but I'm still going to get checked out for it. We got to get our hard plastic trays back to our carrier case. And you say, well, hold on a minute. Management says we can't we can't put our hard plastic trays at our case. Sure you can. The M39 says we can, that uh, equipment that we use on a daily basis can be held at our carrier's case. We're going to properly stage all the equipment that we need to return, plastic trays, plastic tubs. But we're also going to return all hazardous warning cards to our case, special instruction cards back to our carrier case to which they belong. We're also going to be bringing any undeliverable, missorted CFS, whole mail brought back that needs to be identified. And any mail that we need to return back to our case and put in the case needs to be identified on a curtail slip. A 1571. But if you're having management tell you that we're not going to be bringing anything into the bill or anything back to the case, that you can't go past this red line, you need to grieve it. You need to grieve it. You need to call your branch president. You need to call your MBA's office. You need to notify them that they've implemented a red line policy or implemented a, a policy outside our M41 handbook, whatever they call it. They're trying to trim our office time down, people. And we got to get out there and get knowledgeable. We got to spread this knowledge. We got to help the individuals that don't know get to know. And so we got to be on the forefront of this. Uh, I feel like I've been in a, in a, in a, in a fight right now because <laughs> I'm whooped. Uh, I don't. I've always said on these things I don't have the gift of gab or I'm very poetic. And then damn, I look back at his fifty-something episodes and mine are always the longest. And I'm thinking, you don't shut up, dummy. I appreciate each and every one of y'all. I really, really do. I've met some fine individuals through this. Um, thank you for for listening. Thank you for uh, everything that you know. Y'all been reaching out to Corey. Um, it, it's great to spread knowledge. It's great to be able to be involved. Um, I will help anybody do anything because I know I'm going to need help. I still need help today. 
But, you know, Corey does a fantastic job. He really does. Uh, again, I told you earlier, he has a heart for this. Uh, but keep up the good fight. Keep learning. Keep getting knowledgeable. Read these documents. Learn more. Let it let it not be a starting a stopping point. Let it be a starting point that you're going to keep trying to learn more and more. But uh, I, I've about lost all uh, gas in my tank tonight. This turned into a late one. But anyhow, a- until the next time, I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, God bless each and every one of us, and I hope we all have a safe summer. It's getting hot out there, people, so take care of yourself. Recognize those heat conditions, and if you need to, seek shelter and shade. I listened to the last episode, too, people, so (laughs) anyhow. uh, Until the next time, take care, and hopefully this was beneficial to you, and uh, no telling how long it'll be till Corey has me back after talking all this long, so I should have covered two episodes here, but... uh, Y'all have a good one. Thank you. Talk to y'all later. Bye. All right. Hey, I told y'all, this one right here that JB just did, three hours now, to help his brothers and sisters get better prepared for what's coming. Nobody, nobody in the union is doing that. And it, and it, it, it ticks me off to no end that that's the case. But th- this is what I know. This is what I know is that man just spent three hours educating his brothers and sisters because he thinks of them before he thinks of himself. You want to be a leader? You want to be someone that is looked up to as a leader? Think of your brothers and sisters before you think of yourself. This man has a wife and kids that he could have been at at home right now with, but he's been sitting here going over things that are imperative to me. Uh, There's nothing that you will listen to that is more imperative than what he just talked about. Everything that he talked about in this episode is going to help you. Now, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to time when he starts, and that way when I put the episode up, you can go straight to that and cut out the time that I talked it in the beginning. You can cut that out. But uh, that way when you're listening to it, because you're going to need to listen to this two or three times to get it all, uh, you'll be able to listen to go straight to where he started, and that way you won't have to listen to me bitch and complain like I was in the beginning. But there's there's this thing that I saw, and then I'll end this thing. There's this thing that I saw. I keep talking about there's a movement going on, and I can feel it, a movement of people wanting to be educated. But it stated this. It's, it's the picture of two lions. And it says, there's no time left to wake the sheep. It's time to wake the other lions. That couldn't be truer for what we need to do as a union right now at this point in time. There's no time to wake the sheep. It's time to wake the other lions. And he just spent three hours waking the other lions. That's what this was about. Like I said, we have dropped the ball terribly getting ready for what what just came out yesterday as far as these memos on this route inspection with these scanners and things. Uh, So... JB, I appreciate you more than you know for coming in here and spending your time doing that. Surround me with people like JB, man, and we'll conquer some shit. We will. Uh, like I said when we started, Jay coming in, JB coming in, Mike Carroll coming down, you know, doing an episode basically in the dark with his with his light on his phone so he could get that out to y'all. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. So y'all listen to it two, three, four, five times. Get yourself educated, prepared, okay, for what's coming, because it's coming. 
you know, management's ahead of us. But I'm going to spend time on this podcast getting you educated for what's coming. If nobody else will, we will. Okay. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the day. This is Wednesday. I'm going to have this put up Sunday. Okay. Because I'll be going out of town. I won't be able to do anything. I don't know what I'm going to do the next week, but it'll be something else to help out with this. Okay. Because we're going to get ahead of it. All right. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the day. Take care of yourselves and I'll holler at y'all next week. All right.